Blog Talk Radio. This is Jay Lethal, the undisputed champion of the wrestling world. This is John Sullivan. It's Babs, I Michael Thompson talking. It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. This is Jerry Rose. Psycho Killer, Tomasa Champa. This is Matt Blair. Thank you for listening to Sportscast Radio. Sportscast Radio. Welcome to Sportscast Radio. Welcome back, Sportscast Radio, April 5th, 2022. Luke, we are just a fine few weeks away from the NFL draft. One of the We're best fun. times. It's less than that. That's what, uh, three weeks? Three weeks, I think, yeah. yeah three, 28, three, three weeks. weeks. Yeah, I'm, I am jacked. We're getting down to the nitty-gritty. The mock drafts are flying. We're What, what, what are we on this? 4.0 4. is the mock you, you did today, your 4.0? Four point oh, yeah. You're, you're, this is your fourth. I like I said. I I'm waiting a week to do my my fourth one until next week because there's just so much. Because you're because you're trashiness. trash. Whatever. I might be trash. Might not. Doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is, we got three more teams talking tonight. Closing us out. Star division rival Ralph Mancini coming from the Pack to the Future talking Green Bay Packers. Whoa, that is loud. Trying to get that bootleg wild game on. Uh, 9 o'clock, our Paul Pickett Jr. coming in talking some Dolphins. But first, we have to go with the team that has been so damn relevant over the last couple of years. Kansas City Chiefs, Chris Clark. What's going on, my dude? How's it going, guys? Good, good. Welcome back. Always a pleasure to chat, man. You got some you got some new stuff I see going on, Chiefs Corner. I'm excited. Plug everything real quick before we get into the meat and potatoes of this. Once again, for all of our listeners who may not have heard you last time you came on, excited to hear about the new venture, too, man. I appreciate that. Chiefs Corner is a website that I started. Uh, Basically, we're going to be talking about Chiefs cap space, and we're going to get into analytics and statistics, and really talking about just the Chiefs in general. Uh, And I'm the host of Locked on Chiefs, uh, the podcast. It's a daily podcast as well, and we're also on YouTube now. So uh, you can find us anywhere you can find a podcast. You can find us on YouTube. So I, I want to get right to the big meat and potatoes of this, uh, as I've already said. The second time I've used meat and potatoes, Luke, if I do it again, you can take over the show, because then I should probably not be talking anymore. That's beside the point. Uh, you know, the Chiefs, when we got into this, was one of the, the last teams on the list, because frankly, there really wasn't a lot to talk about. I had a you know, basic pick near the end of the draft, and then suddenly everything has just gone wild, including now they're picking 17, I see here. Uh, Tyreek Hill's gone. Picks have accrued. What has been going down in, the, in this front office this last week here with the Chiefs? It's been pretty crazy. Tyreek Hill going away and being traded away, I think that's uh, surprised everybody, but it makes a lot of sense when you step back and you start looking at uh, the big picture as to what Kansas City's trying to do. Um, you know, they have two first-round picks at this point, so I think they're in a good position to be able to restock some of the talent on this roster. Do you think that they're going to use one of those first-round picks in one of the, one of the wide receivers in this class to replace Tyree Killer? Do you think Juju Smith-Schuster will be uh, sufficient enough and they'll look somewhere else? I think that they're going to be looking at using one of the first-round picks. Now, the question I have and what I'm trying to figure out going into the draft here in about three weeks is, 
are they going to trade up? Are they going to try to go get somebody that they really like? Uh, because to me, Juju Smith-Schuster is a good addition. I think he would have been a very good compliment to Tyree Kill. But the problem is, is that you were looking at the wide receiver core that nobody's on the roster after 2022. Uh, all of them, other than may, maybe Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling, although his deal could also be a one-year deal as well. Excuse me. Um, so Todd McShay put out his latest mock today, um, and, and he made a couple of adjustments, uh, if you were able to check it out at all. Um, and the big noticeable yep. one that, that I saw coming in here was the Chiefs trading with the Chargers to move up to 17, grabbing Jamison Williams from Alabama. Is that kind of where you're, you're looking is, is, is mid-teens or something is where they may try to move up in, or is that just kind of Todd McShay being Todd McShay? Well, I, I will say I think it's Todd McShay being Todd McShay because I have a hard time <laughs> seeing the Chargers be willing to help the Chiefs in any way, shape, or form. Um, but I do think that if they're going to want to move up and get a wide receiver that they really like, uh, it's possible they'll have to move up into the teams. And I think they have the, the capability of doing that with all the drafts, draft picks that they have this year. Besides wide receiver, what would you like to see them address with that other first-round pick? Uh, edge is by far the biggest need on this team, even past the wide receiver position. Um, I think that they absolutely desperately need to get an edge player. And it wouldn't shock me if what they trade up for is an edge. Uh, you you look at the class right now, there's, I think, four guys that are probably, you know, your blue chip edge prospects, and you've got guys that have a couple of questions. So, to me, it wouldn't shock me if they're trading up for an edge as opposed to a wide receiver. Now, obviously, too, you had mentioned uh, a little bit ago, you know, slightly mentioned kind of we didn't really dive into it. And I wanted to just get into it. Kyrie Hill gets moved. A lot of picks come back. Very surprising to me, at least, in the, in the sake of there wasn't the rumblings that you normally get from a lot of these star players when they're going to get moved. This was you turn on the TV and you go, oh, he had his choice of the Jets and Dolphins, and he went to the Dolphins. What kind of led up to Tyree Hill suddenly getting moved? Just it seemed like on a whim. Well, I think it's basically the way the wide receiver market has played out over the past couple of years. If you look at last year, the Chiefs it looked it sounds like went to Tyree Hill asking him to restructure his deal to kind of open up some space, and he said he didn't want to do that at the time. So that should have probably you know led to a little bit of a knowledge that maybe there was going to be a long-term issue. And then you look at, you know, the deals that were signed with Christian Kirk and then Devonta Adams gets traded and signs this huge, massive deal that's, you know, $28 million a year. Uh, and I know some of that is really kind of fake because you won't see the back end of that deal. But when you start talking wide receivers and, and getting paid, Tyreek Hill wanted to be the top paid wide receiver in the NFL. And if you look at his contract, he's getting paid $30 million a year, basically, uh, based on his contract. Now, he'll never see that last year that it will get him to $30 million, but, you know, it's more like a three-year, $25 million a year deal, but that's still at the top of the market. Kansas City could have afforded to pay it, uh, but chose not to, and they got the most picks that they could for him. Last week in my mock draft at pick 30, I mocked a running back there. Me and Ryan talked a lot about if there would be a – first-round running back this year at all. Do you think there's any chance they draft one, and, and uh, or do you think they stick with CEH and his injury proneness? I do think that they stick with CEH, and I think that, you know, they brought in Ronald Jones. I don't think they're going to be drafting a running back in the first round. 
uh, it would be pretty shocking to me to see a running back taken, uh, you know, a couple years after CEH was taken in the first round. Um, I do think that it's possible they'll add one later on. I just don't think it'll be in the first round. Do you kind do of sense that there is not really, really any sort of of need, I guess, for it? You know, I, I know he just mentioned we had talked about the, you know, CEH has been a little bit injury prone. Ronald Jones comes comes in. Is, I'm I'm a guy who I I was I was a Clyde Edwards Hilaire guy for Hilaire from I can't say his name for somebody right now Clyde Edwards Hilaire I was I was a proprietor of him from day one I still haven't given up on him but two seasons have been, have been kind of underperforming to be fair is this something that it's just not that big of a need because of that weapon you have with Pat Mahomes back there and you can just make anything work or I don't know I guess. I, I feel like there's just more to that running back than they're, than they're playing out right now. I would say that I see that they need running back help, and I wouldn't be shocked if they go get a guy, I mean, even in the third or fourth round, and I know a lot of people mm-hmm. won't like that, but it wouldn't shock me if they would do something like that. But I do know that they really like Derek Gord. Uh, he's a rookie, that, or he was a rookie last year. He played, and when he did play, he played very well. Uh, they really like him as a runner. I, I do think they will add another running back, and if they don't add a running back in the draft, they'll bring in somebody else in free agency after the draft. I look at the Clyde Edwards-Alaire situation, and I just say, you know, they're going to give him another year for one, but they also think that uh, Ronald Jones is the guy that can do things for this team that will help this team win. And I do think that you're going to see a little bit of a shift in the offense for Kansas City this year. If you look mm-hmm. at their offensive line, I think they're ready to be more of a running team than they have in the past. I'm not saying it's going to change drastically, but I do think they're going to run the ball a little bit more than they have in the past. You mentioned a little earlier that you thought if they were to trade up those two picks to go get a player, it would be an edge rusher. Which edge rusher do you think that they would target for a trade-up possibility? You know, the thing that's really throwing me off about this draft is, you know, you could look at a guy like Jermaine Johnson, who I think is probably going to be the latest, the last edge that's picked in that top four. Uh, can you go get him at 13? Can you get him at 14? I'm not sure. The big question that I have and, and that we're trying to figure out going up in this next three weeks is how many QBs are going to go? And I know we're talking about edge. I know Kansas City doesn't need it at a QB, but that's going to determine who's going to drop and who's going to be available is it looks like, you know, they're talking about uh, the QB from Cincinnati, Ritter going in the first round and maybe in the top 20 picks. If that happens, that's going to drop more people. Um, I mean, Malik Willis, it sounds like it's probably a lot for the top 10, uh, you know, questions whether or not there's a couple other QBs that are going to go in the top 20. If you see three or four QBs going, that's going to push down an edge rusher. That's going to push down a wide receiver and Kansas City is going to be the beneficiary of either of those. Do you think there's anything still in the offseason? I know you kind of mentioned bringing in that, uh, that running back if nothing kind of formulates, you know, later days in the draft. But anything left that this team still might try to sneak in and do before draft day uh, to do anything with this roster? Well, there's several moves they could make. If you look back at last year, they traded for Orlando Brown basically a week before the draft. So with two first-round picks, I think that there's going to be some movement. Uh, I, I really – I've been saying this ever since they got the second first-round pick. I don't think there's any possible way that they pick both at 29 and 30. 
they're trading away one of those picks, if not both. Uh, and so I think that they'll be picking maybe once at that point or maybe, you know, maybe not at all. We'll just have to see how that shakes out. But you start looking at what Kansas City could do. They are talking to Gilmore. They've been talking to Stephen Gilmore for uh, the past couple of weeks. They're trying to get his, him to bring his price down. They could bring him in. Uh, I do think Melvin Ingram is a possibility to come back if they don't get edge addressed in the draft, uh, but that's probably going to be after the draft. There's still some edge rushers out there. Maybe they pull off a big trade and get an edge rusher. Maybe they pull off a big trade and get a get a wide receiver. Um, you know, I, I saw today that they're not interested in James Bradbury. I'm a little surprised about that because I had heard rumblings about that one. Um, but maybe they're going to bring in a CB too. I mean, there's those three positions I think is where Kansas City is going to be focused on the next couple of weeks is wide receiver, edge, and, and corner uh, probably would be the positions that they want to address. If the Kansas City Chiefs do stay there and make both selections, what edge rusher would you like to see them target at the end of that first round? Man, that's rough. Uh, Eddie Kelly, maybe? I, I just The question is, is you're talking about a premium position. It's, it's just a question of who's going to be there. Um, and so that's why that's what I'm not sure of. I think Ebiketti could be a guy that they could go after. Um, you know, there's a couple different edges. I've seen people mocking Christian Watson to the Chiefs at the end of the first round. And, and you, know, you look at that scenario, I know that's not an edge, but that's a completely different type of player uh, when you're reaching down that far into the wide receiver class to go get a guy. Um, so there's lots of different scenarios Kansas City could play out with. You know, I, I piggybacking off of his question, there's a there's an edge rusher that I'm scared is going to end up going at 28 to Green Bay because it really disgusts me as uh, us, us being Minnesota guys here based out of Minnesota. There's a kid that I could see falling to you at, at 30 or 29, uh, Boye Mafe from, from Minnesota. Yeah. Any rumbling on him? I haven't seen a lot of rumblings on him. What I do know is that, you know, on Locked on Chiefs, we do a uh, mock draft every Monday, and he seems to be always one of those guys that's always there around the time that Kansas City's picking, and that would not shock me if they went that direction. Uh, I think that could be a very good pick for them. Uh, you know, the other question is, is are they going to be looking at Abaji? Mm. Um, Abaji, yeah. I mean, with the with him being on an injury – I mean, I understand he's not going to probably play this year, but uh, it's one of those scenarios where it's possible that they're going to uh, look at other players that maybe uh, most people wouldn't look at because they have multiple picks in that round. Who Who's the guy, if you're watching the draft, who are, who are you hoping either this team trades up for or gets at 29 or 30? I will say this. I like McShay's draft because I like Kansas City getting Jameson Williams. I think that could be a great fit. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you look at the wide receivers they've added, they've added some bigger guys. Jameson Williams is more of a Tyree Kill type and just the speed. I'm not saying he's a Tyree Kill. No one is. But he has the speed and he has the ability to take the top off of defense, so I think that really would help. I would love that pick. Uh, but there's a lot of different players that – uh, Kansas City could be looking at, and, and usually around this time is when we start hearing rumblings of who they're maybe interested in. Uh, I will tell you, it was really funny because a couple of years ago, 
you started hearing rumblings about Patrick Mahomes, you know, a couple of days before the draft and then on draft day. And I'm just sitting there going, really, are they going to trade up to go get him? And they did. So they're not afraid to go make a, a big move and they have the capital to do it this year. So it wouldn't shock me if they go out up and get somebody that's going to really help them this season. Man, it's, it's, it's interesting. And I, I was so glad I saw that, looked at that McShay mock before we came on. Cause I was like, Oh, that's, that's such a, a, a killer move if they could slide in and, and, and grab a guy like that because he, he would definitely fill that hole. It's, I, I got to ask you quick before we, uh, before we wrap up with you, on a personal level, how did you feel about the Tyree Kill trade? Was it, did it bum you out? Were you, not, were you not a fan of it or did you get it? You know – Okay, so one of the things with Chiefs Corner I talked about was that I'm really getting into the cap and really talking about Chiefs cap. So, to me, it made sense from that angle. And I know a lot of people mm-hmm. don't like to talk about cap space and that it really doesn't matter. But it really does. And it is a huge part of why they made this trade. Because if he's wanting to be paid $25 million a year, <laughs> which is what he's getting right now, Kansas City can't afford that. I mean, they've got Pat Mahomes on a contract that is starting to pay him $46 million a year starting next year. And, you know, you look at that, that how that plays out. you got Travis Kelsey, you got Chris Jones. Uh, you know, you have some stars that you're going to have to put, you know, pay to have play here. Um, I didn't like that they traded away Hill, but here's my argument that I would make. If Kansas City is interested in going and getting a – you know, a wide receiver, if they think they can go trade for a veteran-type wide receiver right now, I'm not going to be upset if they pay him 20 to $25 million a year as long as he is not the same age as Hill. Hill was 28 years old. His body has held up very well for the most part, but the question is, is, is he going to be able to hold up for the three or four more years of that contract? And I just don't know if he will. So I get it from that perspective. I wasn't happy about it, but I get it. Yeah, that's a fair take. Like that's a that's a totally fair take that I respect. Yeah, it's just it's always one of those weird things when the superstar moves. I remember, I know there was obviously turmoil and frustration in the company or in in the, our team here in Minnesota. But when we traded Randy Moss for the number seven pick, I just remember I was sick to my stomach. And then it was like, all right, well, we got this kid Troy Williamson now, and. You know, God help them. <laughs> I mean, I've tried everything to get vision corrected. And <laughs> hey, hey, if you want to, uh, if you want to trade away Justin Jefferson, I'm sure Kansas City would be interested. <laughs> Look, I, I think that's about uh, all the time we have here about the play. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can't blame oh, me for trying. Hell no, I'm with you, man. I, I... <laughs> and what any way you can, you can. Sneak in and grab something. Oh, I'm all for it. It's and it's, it's going to be exciting. You know, it's, we said last year that the draft was just it was an interesting draft, and then the more and more stuff I continue to see this year, and the off season just keeps. And, and here's something. Let me ask you this too, real quick, here before we wrap up. It feels to me that this year there's so many teams that are willing to make these bigger blockbuster type trades and quarterback trades and this and that that we don't usually see, and teams trying to trade down instead of move up. There's a lot of really good pieces in this draft, I feel. Is, do you think it's a situation where either it's, A, there's just so much talent in this draft that you really can kind of get away with wherever you're picking anywhere, 
or maybe it's a smokescreen, and after seeing these players at the Combine, teams are really nervous about this draft class. So I think it's a combination of multiple things. I'm not so sure it's the combine aspect of it, but what I will say, and I talked about this on the podcast actually yesterday, I believe, um, one of the things that's really interesting to me about that trade that, they, that just went down is you start looking at what it could mean for New Orleans, who moved up. Uh, New Orleans is in a situation where maybe they're going to be moving up into the top five trying to go chase the QB. We just don't know at this point. But the thing that really sticks out to me is, the NFL saw what the Rams did last year and really to build up to last year. They saw how much they were willing to give up just to go try to get a QB and then making all the moves to bring in all the different pieces. And I think that's really had a huge effect on how it's going to shape the NFL going forward. I'm not saying the NFL is going to become the NBA in the way they do trades, but I do mm-hmm. think bigger trades like what we've seen this year are going to become more and more commonplace because you're going to have teams that are trying to figure out how do we get a QB? Because they saw in that game against the Bills, you know, the Chiefs to the Bills in the, in the lead-up to the AFC Championship game, if you don't have a Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, good luck. And, yeah. You know, obviously, obviously Joe Burrow won the next game. Congratulations to him. Uh, he's a heck of a quarterback. But my point is, if you don't have a top five, top ten QB, you're really chasing the rest of the league and the rest of your team has to be so good. You have to go find your QB. You have to take your shot. And I think that's also what's driving all these QBs up in the draft this year because I'm not so sure that really there's two QBs that really have a first-round grade from a lot of people right now. It's, it's, I mean, and I'll I'll give, you know, Luke, I'll give you the credit. You were the first one before a lot of these mocks even, jumped on this quarterback train, and I was like, dude, what, you're nuts, man. I was like, don't don't ruin the integrity of the show with these mock drafts. And then, you know, now you look at them, and there's – I mean, I've seen Malik Willis at two. Mm-hmm. Crazy. You know, I'm, I'm sure, Luke – yeah, I'm sure you got a bunch of new new quarterbacks this, this week, too, in yours. <laughs> You said yours is so wild, so yeah, it's it's interesting, and I think the best part, though, you know, as is, is, is I mentioned, it's it's going to be a lot of fun, and it is, you know, we all, as all of us covering it, it's, it's exciting, and it's going to make the next two three weeks here just continue to rock. And I think you're right. I think that the Rams showed that you can win by just being aggressive with it, and I think that's why these picks are flying around like it's Oprah, like an Oprah show more than you know. Let me look at my draft chart and see how much points it's worth, type thing. It's more, all right, cool, I'll give you that, you give me this, I want that quarterback, let's do this, boom, we're done. It's interesting, it's interesting, but damn it, it's a good offseason to be a football fan, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, it is. It'd be even better if Justin Jefferson becomes a chief. So. Ah, damn it, go for it. Put that out there. I, I respect the persistence, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chris, man, I, I thank you so much for coming on, you know, chatting with us, BS, and having some fun with us. Um, I know you kind of did it earlier, but I want to make sure you can get them in, especially with the new stuff you got going. One more time, plug everything you got, Twitter, websites, you know, favorite favorite theme song for a pro wrestler, anything you got, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, guys. You can find me at KC Chiefs Corner on kcchiefscorner.com. That's the website. Uh, and you can find me at Chiefs Corner on Twitter, on Lockdown Chiefs. I'm usually on the Twitter handle there as well, or Chris Clark NFL. Have 
a couple of different Twitter handles. Uh, Locked on Chiefs is the podcast and on YouTube as well, so you can check us out there. A lot going on and cannot wait for the draft. This is one of my favorite times of the year is getting ready for the draft, and I cannot wait for it to hit and just be able to watch the draft for three days. I'm just really looking forward to that feel of football almost being back. I know it's still going to be months away, but there's still going to be a lot to talk about after the draft. Oh, yeah, that's that. That's that, that hand that just kind of tickles you, and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm excited. Let's go. I'm ready for the rest of it. Yep. <laughs> Chris, thanks a lot, man. I'm sure we'll be talking soon in the future because we'll have to talk about our post-draft and a little bit of them team previews with you, but I'll be in touch, sir. I appreciate you coming on. Hey, thanks for having me again, guys. You have a great one. Yeah, you too. Chris Carter coming on here from a plethora. I was really hoping Luke, he was going to give us his favorite wrestler's theme song. I was waiting for it, actually. What do you think it would have been? What would have been his theme song? Um, I'm going to go Samoa Joe's. <laughs> Luke, what is your favorite pro wrestling theme song at the moment? Oh, at the moment, it's Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes, yeah. That was um, that was big time feel on uh, on WrestleMania. I know we're we're a a uh, sports show or or the the sports brand of the the the, uh, the network, but uh, WrestleMania, man, it was it was a, as somebody who has dog dog talked the shit out of WrestleMania for the last five years, six years on radio. I was impressed, man, and they did the Cody Rhodes thing right. They did. I was. I'm just glad they didn't bring in like it wasn't someone stupid, like Goldberg or something. <laughs> yeah. That's that's why when when I saw that picture, or when I saw that on the screen, I sent you the picture of that hole in the ground. I yeah. was like, Oh my god, that's that's the Cody elevator. I I was fully happy when I saw it. What if he would have lost in like eight minutes? Nah, I don't know. I would have cried probably. <laughs> I, I thought this coming sucks as normal. Um, so, Luke, this week, like I said, I didn't do a mock. I'm gonna do one for next week. Um, That's because you're trash. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not trash. I'm just busy. I'm, I'm, I'm putting our so show. You're together. on vacation, playing the show. Yep, yep, I am, and I'm getting our, I'm getting us guests, that and I'm, I'm creating the show. That is true. I, I don't have that shit. I still haven't made an intro. That's right, you haven't. <laughs> but that's okay. But what I, I think our get, intro should be Cody Rhodes' theme music. We could. Should, should we do the have the the Babs on Boosty Maka Thompson and have it come into Adrenaline Episode and then we come into that? Yeah. yeah. Alright. I'll I'll do that next time. That, okay, that, I'm I'll, ready. I'll, I'll get that ready. It won't even be anything about the draft. I'll have it till he came on Thibodeau. Then it'll be like wrestling has more than one royal family. <laughs> God. Um, so I wanted to go over some of these other mocks that, that we're seeing here. Uh, shout out to our guy, Paul Pickett, who was like, oh, I forgot that you're essential. He was ready to come on, ready to open. I said, feel free to come on before nine if you if you hear us or uh, read the, the message. So we may have fallen before nine. I am uh, down. Oh my God! I looked before the interview it was one nothing wild, and it's now four one Nashville. Damn, we suck. Damn it! I want I want this number two seed. Remember um, when you were out here trying to tell me that we were good and stuff? 
No, you try to tell me where it could. I said you don't get an opinion. I do get an opinion. Because I said you don't watch hockey. You don't watch nothing. I'm watching it right now. Uh, to, to be I'm watching exact. you. I'm watching you right now. Well, then I'm gonna look out the window and make sure. I don't All right. See. All right. So since we're you're going over Todd McShay stuff, what do you want me to do with my mock drafts? <laughs> I mean, if you do, you want to still do yours, or do you want us? Wait a week and fine tune it if you need to, and then we can, or or I mean like however you want to do it. I just I was really really interested when I pulled up these all these these like main website beat writers and how different some of these drafts are. Yeah. Like so as an example, uh, so let me I'll even go here. Let's let's get wild. Charles Davis of the NFL Network. His came out today with Todd McShay from ESPN. Jacksonville Jaguars at pick one. Trayvon Walker, defensive lineman, Georgia. That's who I have, baby. Did you did you did you mock Walker to one? Yeah, I did last yeah. week too. Then they had uh, Hutchinson at two, Kimball at three. You got you got Malik Willis to the Lions at two. Yeah, and then I got Hutchinson three. Wow, that's tight. Um, they got they got uh, at one to, at four to the Jets. They have the Giants taking Evan Neal at five. So I have them switched. I have them the other way. So Neal and Aquanu? Okay. Yeah. Um, Carolina taking Malik Willis. Get the I have a ticket. I have uh, – nope, I have Charles Cross, actually. Oh, wow. Cross getting, getting bumped up. Uh, they got Jermaine Johnson at seven to the Giants. I have Kayvon Thibodeau at seven to the Giants. Here's one that, that was a kicker for me, and I've seen this a couple times now. Um. Garrett Wilson at eight as the top receiver off the board. Last week, I think I had them taking that wide receiver out of Alabama, Jamison Williams. But this week, mm-hmm. I put in Jermaine Johnson, the edge rusher. Uh, they have Samson and Sauce. I have them taking, to the Jets. So I have Trevor Penning at nine and then Sauce to the Jets. They have Kyle Hamilton at 11 to Washington. I, I have them taking Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson. And then they got the Vikings taking Trent McDuffie. I have Kyle Hamilton falling to the Vikings. <laughs> they, then they wrap out Cross, Houston, Jordan Davis, Baltimore, which we've been saying. Did you, you still got Davis at Baltimore? I still got Davis yeah. at Baltimore, yeah. They got Devontae White to Philly, and then Chris Olave to the Saints. So I have the Saints taking Drake London. London, okay. Yeah, and I'm looking through this. It, it, this is wild. If this happens, kumbaya. Uh, Trevor Penny at 17, Eagles taking Booth, Carlesas to the Saints, and then Pittsburgh taking Kenny Pickett at 20. Um, I don't have any of those people. <laughs> uh, well, I have Devin Lloyd Pickett going to the Saints at 19, actually. Okay. So you have Devin Lloyd going to the Pats, which I think we've had a couple times. Yeah. Uh, Packers getting Jahan Dotson. I'm taking Chris Olave. And then they have at 23, Arizona Cardinals, USC wide receiver, Drake London. If that happened. That'd be crazy. I would be happy. They got, they got Buffalo taking Jamison Williams all the way at 25. I have them taking a running back. Which one did you have them taking? Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker. Um, 
Wraps up Tyler Smith to the Titans. Oyabo to the Bucks. Kenny Green to Green Bay. And Boy Amafi to Kansas City. I have oh, Boye, Boye Mafe to the Lions at 32. 32. They have Matt Terrell at 32 with uh, Tyler Lindbaum at 31. And Christian Watson, wide receiver from North Dakota State at the Chiefs at 30. North Dakota State. Um, but then let me get to McShay. So McShay put his out today. He's got... Uh, let me get up to it. Where is it? Todd McShay. He's got Hutchinson one, Walker two, Thibodeau three. He has the Jets at four, taking Garrett Wilson. That'd be a good pick. Do you think? I mean, it just seems far fetched. What do you think? I just I don't, is it wide receiver? Who's their wide receivers? Didn't they just pay a bunch of people? Oh, let me pull up. I'm uh, I'm a good thing I'm on our lads here. Our lads, where is the Jets? Jets right now are running with Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, DJ Montgomery, Tariq Black, Lawrence Kager, Braxton Berrios, Jeff Smith, and Rodney Adams. I guess I don't think it's far fetched. I mean, you. I mean, you got to think you Elijah Moore is probably the number one in yeah, that situation. Him, mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I would say Garrett Wilson's better than probably every other wide receiver. Yeah. Do you think you could wait, though, and get him at 10? Uh, Maybe not at 10, but, I mean, I guess what I would have to think about is how big of a drop-off is um, Garrett Wilson to the next next best available wide receiver in Drake London, Jameson Williams. Chris Olave. yeah, like where do and you? I, I think London's better. Yeah, you know, I'm so, on that London train. I mean, if if I'm them, I I guess you know if I'm the GM of the Jets, I'm not taking a wide receiver at four because I know at ten there's a chance I could maybe get him still at ten. But mm-hmm. if he if he goes to Atlanta, let's say, or even the Giants, maybe. Um, I mean, you could still end up with Drake London would, would still be there. Jamison Williams and would still be there. Chris Olave yeah. would still be there. So, like, I guess I'm not wasting the fourth overall pick when when chances are one of those edge rushers will be there. You know, Kyle Hamilton will probably be there. Sauce will be there. One of those tackles will be there. Um I mean, I just think any of those choices would be better personally than Garrett Wilson at four. Yeah, I, I, I tend to lean your way. Um, he's got uh, Ike McQuanu at five, Kenny Pickett at six. He has the Giants taking Kyle Hamilton at seven, then Drake London going eight to Atlanta, so that would eliminate London off the board. Um, he has Seattle taking Evan Neal. Man, could you imagine Evan Neal falling to nine to Seattle? I mean, I don't think it would happen, but maybe. I just – there's too many tackle needy teams. Like, you could argue every team besides maybe Atlanta and – no, maybe uh, besides the Jets. That, maybe the Jets. But every team besides Atlanta 100% has a need at tackle. Because you figure the Jets have Mekhi Beckton and Elijah Barrett Tucker. They took – their last two first-round picks have been 
you know. Yeah, yeah, but and and two of the teams have two of the two picks before that. You know what I mean? Like, so I I don't know. I I just think no one of the teams. Sorry, because the Jets pick at ten. But like the Giants, like the Giants for sure got to take a tackle there. Yeah, you know, five or seven. And I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on where it falls. Like Chris mentioned before, like if those quarterbacks start going, you know, if the Lions do take Malik Willis at two, those tackles are going to fall. Because then, you know, if Houston, then Houston's got an opportunity to jump out there and get Aiden Hutchinson or one of those other edge rushers that the Lions supposedly were going to take and stuff. So I guess it just depends on what happens. Yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it. I just – if I'm in Seattle and Evan Neal falls to me at nine, it's hard to not take him. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I have him taking a tackle in Trevor Penning, but that's just because I, I, think, I think there's going to be four tackles taken in the top ten picks. Well, and, and look at that. Oh, excuse me. Um, even Penning at nine is a little bit of a reach, but if the team that needs something, you do it. You know, yeah. so this is like a, a blessing in their hands. Um, yeah. He's got Sauce Gardner at 10. Chris Olave at 11. I think that's too high. So he's got three wide receivers in the top 11. I think that's way too high. I think Drake London's higher than him. Well, he's got um, London at 8, and he's got Wilson at 4. It? Oh, I think Jamison Williams higher than Olave. I, I do agree with that. I, I Well, I think Olave's got a really big upside, especially, you know, with the system he's he's used. I I don't think the separation between like like Garrett Wilson and, and Drake London is to the other guys where I think there's not as big of a drop off between Olave and and like Jahan Dotson or Traylon Burks. Yeah. Whereas I think between the other two there's a definite drop. For but, sure, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's just and then again, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we said that Washington really is well put together where they just need that one piece. Yeah. Washington's kind of in that, I think in that position where they have good pieces where at 11, they have the ability just to take the best available player mm-hmm. that, like on the board. Like, cause chan- like, so if Garrett Wilson does go before them, like at four, let's just say, I mean, that means, sauce might fall or one of those tackles might fall. I mean, they, they're literally in the position where they don't necessarily need to draft for need. They can just draft for best available player and just plug them right in and they'll make an impact. You know, and if I'm Washington, I'm listening to trade offers to move back to for somebody yeah. who maybe wants one of those quarterbacks that they're still there. Because, you know, in that same boat, if you're that, that kind of ready, why not try to go fall back and get something else if you could? For sure. Um, we got Stingley going to the Vikings at 12. Oh, uh, Ted, Charles Cross at 13. Jermaine Johnson at 14 to Baltimore. Trent McDuffie to the Eagles at 15. Trevor Penny at 16 to the Saints. Jamison Williams to the Chiefs at 17 uh, via trade with the Chargers, which is what I brought up to uh, Chris earlier. Uh, then we have the Eagles taking Devin Lloyd. Saints at 19 getting Jordan Davis. And then Malik Willis at 20 to Pittsburgh. Actually, that's way too far. Down, I think. Uh, Nicobe Dean at 21 in New England. Jahan Dotson of Packers. Traylon Burks of the Cardinals. Carl Leiftis to the Cowboys. Andrew Booth Jr. to the Bills. North Dakota State Christian Watson to the Titans. Devontae Wyatt to the Bucks. 
Kenyon Green to Green Bay, Zion Johnson then going to the Chargers, giving them another O-line, which we had talked about, Boye Mafe to the Chiefs, Tyler Lindbaum to the Bengals, and then Desmond Ritter to the Lions. I like that Desmond Ritter pick. I know it. I don't either. I hope I hope the Vikings take him in the second round. <laughs> I think they should really uh, re re um, reevaluate. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I heard he's trash. <laughs> um, otherwise, Kuiper lasted his on the twenty second of March, which we haven't talked about. Um, his is his is a bit different too, with some of the same kind of things though. He has Aiden Hutchinson going one to the Jags. And then he has Kyle Hamilton going to the Lions at two. Love it, my boy Kyle <laughs> Hamilton out here. Uh, Ike McQuanu at three to the Texans. Drake London at four to the Jets. Like way too high for a wide receiver, I feel like. <laughs> way <laughs> too high. Uh, Giants taking Evan Neal, so still taking the tackles, as you mentioned. But then Carolina not taking a quarterback, taking Trayvon Walker, who falls to them at six. Yeah. Yeah. Is he there at six? Do they you do it? I don't think so. I don't know. I feel like Carolina has other needs other than an edge rusher right now. <laughs> they got to figure out what they're doing with quarterback. They got to protect their quarterback. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. I just if you're not like, taking a quarterback, you got to be taking like a Charles Cross or something or whatever yeah. guys that are there. I feel like if they're not going to take a quarterback, they need to trade down. Yep to a team that wants to come up and grab one of those edges or one of those tackles. Uh, then we got at seven, Kaylon Thibodeau, Garrett Wilson to the Falcons at eight, Charles Cross to the, the Seahawks at nine, Sauce Gardner to the Jets, Washington taking Stingley, and the Vikings getting Trent McDuffie. Don't like it, ew. Uh, Jordan Davis to Houston, Lindbaum to the Ravens, Jermaine Johnson to Philly, Chris Olave to Philly, Trevor, uh, Trevor Penning to the Chargers. Kenny Pickett? Kenny Pickett, 18 to Baltimore. With a trade? Yep. I, I don't know. My only thought process is there is – and it doesn't even say what they give up for that. Um, doesn't say what they would give up because they still have 14. Um Lamar Jackson said we'll talk after the season. Is this insurance? Could be, maybe. I don't know. I feel like they doing that, they'd pull like a Packers thing where like with Jordan Love where it would just They keep their quarterback and just sits there and does nothing, you said. Yeah. What happened to that one backup Baltimore had that all like the the high school kids liked? Oh, uh, Trace McSorley, was it? Trace McSorley, yeah. yeah. He still plays, but uh, I don't think it's on Baltimore anymore. I want to say it was, like, the Raiders or something. Like, he had, like, that really good running game. He was, like, people were like, it's Tim Tebow. Except for Tim Tebow was, like, <laughs> like <laughs> six inches taller than this dude. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I didn't. I didn't understand like the hype behind it. Um, I'm Trace going McSorley. there. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you know the song. Yeah, just a kid from Briarwood. He's wearing number nine. 
see, you're one of those white kids that love Tristan Thornley. Uh, Tyler Huntley is the backup in Baltimore. That's a kid from UCLA, right? That's trash now. Yeah. No, you're thinking of Brett Brett Huntley, and he was trash to begin with. Man, Uh, UCLA just... Man, what happened to them? Oh, Josh Rosen, baby. I don't know. Josh Rosen's trash. (laughs) Yeah, he is trash. Um, So they got Devin... or uh, Jameson Williams to New England at 21. That's that's way too far down, I think. But maybe not, I guess. Where did I mock him? Maybe not. You had him high. I think you had him the Falcons or something. Oh, 18, so that ain't too far off. Oh, okay. You had him, you had him go to New Orleans. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Green to Green Bay. Devin, Devontae White to the Cards. Uh, Tyler Smith to the Cowboys. Jahan Dotson to the Bills. Zion Johnson, Titans. Brees Hall, running back, finally sneaking in, going to Tampa. Yeah, I uh, I want to – I don't know. I could see him, but I just don't think they will. Uh, Traylon Burks going to Green Bay. Nicobe Dean to the Dolphins. Uh George Carlathis to the Chiefs, Travis Jones to the Bengals, and Matt Corral to the Lions. Matt Corral sucks. <laughs> he's the next Mitch Trubisky. You heard it here yeah. first, folks. I don't, I don't think he's going to be that good. But let's be honest with you. Now, mind you, too, Kuiper obviously made that draft before the, the, the Tyree Kill draft. Kill trade, yeah, trade, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then last one... Some 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 differences, but nothing too crazy. A couple things that were really wild. A couple that stay the same. Uh, Vinny Lyer from Sporting News. He released his yesterday. Uh, he goes Hutchinson and Hamilton one and two. Yeah, Hamilton uh, Ed, go number one. Evan Neal three. Thibodeau to the Jets. Equander uh, to the Giants. Charles Cross to Carolina. Stingley to the Giants. Trayvon Walker all the way down to Atlanta. Mm, maybe. I, don't know. I mean, they they had the least amount of sacks last year, so they they could use an edge. That's why I gave them uh, Jermaine Johnson. I think in my last mock. Yeah, I gave them Jermaine Johnson and the one I did today. But I I think they have to go edge. I don't think they have another choice. Uh, Seattle at nine taking Malik Willis. Ooh. They have the Jets grabbing Sauce. Washington also this one taking Olave. The Vikings at 12 taking Andrew Booth Jr. Ew. <laughs> God. Man, if if the Vikings, I think we've talked about this before, but if at 12, if Sauce is gone, if Kyle Hamilton's gone, if Derek Stingley is gone, and if Jordan Davis is gone, they just need to trade the pick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Hopefully, like, the Chiefs or something want to trade both their first-round picks to come up to 12 to get a wide receiver or something. Well, in this instance, too, uh, they saw Jordan Davis on the board. Yeah, like, I don't I don't like Andrew Booth. I don't like the other one either. I forgot his name. Um, 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 the Washington Trent McDuffie. The, the yeah, I don't yeah. like Trent McDuffie. Like, I want... There's two corners I want, and then there's a safety and the defense attack. Yeah, there's like – I mean, there's obviously more than I would like to, but those realistically are who I hope fall the best. Yeah, 
Like I just when I when I prefer Kayvon Thibodeau, hell yeah. Yeah. Well, if Kayvon Thibodeau <laughs> falls to twelve and they don't turn in the card that says Kayvon Thibodeau, I'm gonna smash my fucking TV with a remote controller. <laughs> like I might throw a kid through it. <laughs> you got backup stuff. You got the reserves. <laughs> um, they, they got Jermaine Johnson at thirteen. Lynn Bob to Baltimore. Kenny Pickett at fifteen to the Eagles. Nah, I don't like that either. Oh, that one I could actually see because I, I think this is the. I think when we talked to the Eagles guy that first week, he, yeah, he said that this year he thinks is a make or break year for Jalen Hurts. He's either got to prove he can take this team somewhere or it's going to be someone else's show. Uh, 16, we got Garrett Wilson. 17, Chargers getting Jordan Davis. Man, Rich get Richard. If that happens, uh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> Eagles at 18, taking to Kobe Dean. 19, the Saints taking Trevor Penning. At 20, Pittsburgh taking Desmond Ritter. Yeah, my boy. Uh, 21, Jameson Williams again following the pass. Green Bay at 22, taking Drake London. I don't want to see that. I don't either. I don't want to see him. Our either. corners can't guard anyone. <laughs> <laughs> don't need some uh, 6'10 mofo running down the field. <laughs> they got uh, Arizona at 23, taking Devontae Wyatt. Kenny Green to the Cowboys. Trent McDuffie falls to 25 to the Bills. David Oyabo at 26 to the Titans. Carlaftis to Tampa. Then they have Green Bay taking another wide receiver in Jahan Dotson. I've, in this mock, I have mocked them taking two wide receivers. I had them mm-hmm. taking Chris Olave Chris at 22 and then Traylon Burks at 28. Um, 29, they have Traylon Burks going to the Chiefs. Boy, I'm off at 30 to the Chiefs. Trey McBride, tight end at a Colorado State to the Bengals. And then Devin Lloyd at uh, 32 to the Lions. Man. Yeah, yeah uh, 6'5", 220 on uh, Drake London there. Yeah, he's huge. I'm not going to lie. If the Vikings take Desmond Ritter in the second round, I'm ordering a jersey that day. <laughs> That day. See that there's some players where this year, like depending what happens, I could I could immediately be on the be on the horn and do something like that. I just I think this year is going to be a lot of uh, there's going to be a, quite a bit of reaching in the first round. I think. Yeah. It's, I think. It's, I don't know. I just just I just think that you know like the like the Lions at two taking a quarterback's a reach. But, like, I, I think it will happen. What's, what, how much stock do you put in to you taking, you know, you having a quarterback at two? Like, get, like how, did, how did Malik Willis' draft stock go from, like, almost the last pick in the draft to number two? I don't know, man. It, I think his pro day went really well. I think... So I think a lot of it had to do with what you said, that a lot of these teams saw these quarterbacks and they were like, oh, shit, like we need to figure something out. But 
I I think teams are starting to realize, especially the QB needy teams like the Seahawks, like the Lions, like the uh, who else, like like Pittsburgh and stuff. I think they're starting to see that like they might have to draft a quarterback in the first round. Like there's not an like if you're Detroit. I mean maybe Detroit's a bad reference because they got Jared Goff but like if if you're Detroit I mean if you don't take a quarterback here to plan your future like do you think Jared Goff's going to lead you to a top five pick again next year I don't know are are you willing to risk that no I'm not willing to risk it it's just Goff is a hard one because at the end of the day we did see that man make a Super Bowl that is, yeah, and, you know, like Carolina at six. I know they said they're done, you know, with, you know, they're not bringing Cam back, they said. They're not, you know, they're not happy with Sam Darnold. But, you know, at six, you know, reaching for a Kenny Pickett or or a Malik Willis there. Like, I mean, if they stick with Sam Darnold and if CMC is healthy, is that team going to be a top five pick next year? Yeah. I don't know and, if I'm willing to say that. And I, I'm not – I don't – I don't think I'm comfortable enough to say that Kenny Pickett is worth a number, you know, number six pick. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Like any other draft, I don't think he, I don't think any quarterback in this draft, maybe besides Malik Willis with his ability to throw the ball on the run and the ability to run would even be a top 15 pick. Yeah. I, I just I, don't, but but I mean, you got teams that I mean, we've talked about it before on the phone that, like, if they're healthy and they don't draft a quarterback this year, I don't think they'll be in, able to draft a quarterback next year. You know, Jared Goff with the Lions, with uh, what's his face, with DeAndre Swift and Hawkinson, and that what's the why Amon Ross St. Brown and mm-hmm. you know I've had two they take Aiden Hutchinson and they get that defensive line better I mean I think that I think they they won't finish they'll finish last or second to last in the NFC North but I think they'll they won't have a top five pick next year if that team stays healthy with Jared Goff you know what I mean and yeah. then now now you're out the ability to go draft a QB of the future. Cause no one thinks that Jared Goff is the QB of the future for the Detroit Lions. No one. No, Jared Goff that, doesn't think he's the QB of the future. And I mean, if we, if we look at a NFL mock draft 2023, if we pull out a 2023 mock, um, I'll just go on Walter footballs. My assumption is any quarterbacks worth a damn are going to be gone. He's got yeah. he has CJ Stroud going one to the Texans, Bryce Young two to Atlanta. The Bears taking a defensive end, defensive tackle to the Jaguars. At five, he has a quarterback going to Detroit. Anthony Richardson from Florida. Yeah. I just I don't like I think there's only a couple teams that are like that you I could see taking a QB this year. But I think if they choose a different player this year, they have a strong chance of being in that market to take a quarter, one of those top quarterbacks. Like Seattle's one. I mean, you could go out and go grab one of those offensive tackles, one of those edge rushers. 
and run with Drew Locke, and I'm a firm believer you'll have a top seven pick next year. Yeah. Yeah, they have them at five. Yeah, like like Atlanta's one like that, too. You can go out at eight and go get a wide receiver because you got Kelvin Ridley gambling on himself, so you don't know (laughs) what's happening there. You lose Russell Gage to the Jaguars or the Dolphins or whoever he went to. Um, So you don't really have a wide receiver besides Kyle Pitts. I mean, you could go out and get your wide receiver or edge rusher at eight, and I'm a firm believer that team will finish in the bottom five next year and have a top five pick to go get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or the dude that you said, Florida guy. Yeah, uh, Richardson. Yeah, Yeah. they they only have three quarterbacks going in this first round, and they all went uh, one, two, and five. Yeah. Like, like did have a running lot. back at at eight though. My guy Behan Robinson from Texas going to the Jets. Yeah, he'll, he'll be he'll be a top ten pick I think next year. I mean he's he that dude's a monster, bro. <laughs> yeah, he's tight. But yeah, like, it's, I just it's, it's interesting. It's weird. Like you're it's, yeah. you're right. Like there's there's it's there's just a weird dichotomy with the drop off is so. It's 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 not like one of those gradual drop offs with a lot of these quarterback the teams yeah. that need a quarterback with who they could even draft. I mean, it's like you just fell off a cliff. Yeah, and and like I said, I think a lot of it is 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 that the teams that need that like need a quarterback this year. I think there's four. There's you know there's Detroit, there's Carolina, there's Seattle, and then there's. Um, you could argue Pittsburgh. You could argue Pittsburgh. I mean, I don't. I don't think they. Maybe they do. I don't know. But I. I just think if those teams are healthy, if they don't take a quarterback in the first round this year, if the, those teams stay healthy, they will not be in the position to take one of those top quarterbacks next year. Yeah. I, yeah, that's true. I, it's it's almost like your damn. Yeah. You know, if you get too good, you're going to screw yourself over. Yeah, like, so, like, like the reason I think, the more I think about it, the more I see Detroit taking Malik Willis, just for that reason. I mean, the one thing with Detroit that you could argue is, is is that they have the 32nd pick. I mean, like, if if they wanted to, just to be sure they got a QB of the future to maybe turn into something – I mean, you could argue that, you know, Desmond Ritter at 32 would probably be there. Matt Carell, um, uh, who's the other are, one? Are you talking about taking taking at 2 and 32? No, but what I'm saying, the one thing that Detroit has going for them is, is if they take oh. Hutchinson at 2, 32, like, I don't think Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis would be there, but, I mean, I could see Desmond Ritter being there at 32. So, I mean, it, that's the one thing they have going for them is, is they have a, another first-round pick at the end of the first round where they could go get a QB of the future. But, like, gotcha. like Carolina only has the sixth pick in the first round. Like, if they don't take a QB of the future at number six, I don't know if they'd be in the position next year to take one because if CMC stays healthy, that team's a mid-tier team. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I followed. I thought you were pulling, trying to be like fucking, no. what's his name, Khan on the Timberwolves taking Johnny Flynn and, and Ricky Rubio and 
and called the uh, North Carolina kid, Ty Lawson. Yeah. yeah. Do you think Paul Pickett will be there at 32? Do I think Paul Pickett will be there at 32? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely not. He's, a, he's the first overall pick, all right? I'll he pay you, man. I'll, although I don't really want to go to Jacksonville. So <laughs> I hear they overpay for lack of talent. We'll bring in Urban Meyer, and you can dance with him on the club, all right? Yo, send me to Detroit at least so I can be on hard knocks with Dan Campbell telling me to bite knees off and stuff. Man. <laughs> look, look I would go to the Jaguars because then I'd be like, hey, let me get three wrestling tickets. Let me go. Let me Dude, go I'd go to the uh, Jaguars just to sit in one of them swimming pool luxury boxes. Yeah, that's 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 true. I remember they, they the AEW had that the, the the stadium match and they fought through every part of the stadium. They, they fought Urban Meyer's <laughs> office and they were in one of them pools. I'm like, damn, look at this luxury ass building. <laughs> My God, See where they Dude, let me tell you, if I'm inactive on game day, I'm showing up in swimmies and flip flops. Like. <laughs> they, uh, well, I mean, look, you do get to cover a team that does have some pretty pretty good weather, and uh, I'm excited to discuss because this was a this was a team that decided to make some noise here. As as uh, what are you, you know, talking about? It's been a quiet off season. We haven't done anything. Man, <laughs> you you really uh, miss Mac Hollins, don't you? What? <laughs> 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 real quick though, as, as I always gotta have you do it, man, because I I want to I want to make sure everyone can read everything. Plug everything you got for all of our new listeners here. We had a we had a, a, a massive spike the last like three weeks. So I want to make sure everybody gets their shit out there for all the new listeners. No, absolutely, dude, and I appreciate that. You can follow me on Twitter at fanatic underscore pick. Uh, you can follow the show at on the fin side uh, with an F. Uh, my buddy Cat that, that does a show with me. You can follow him at Brian Cat NFL, and then shoot, we're on YouTube, iHeartRadio, Spotify. If you read articles on finfanatic.com, our, our our player for our podcast shows up right in the middle of every article. Click on that. We're everywhere, man. We're on Spotify. Shoot. And we try we try to make it so we're not a homework assignment because we see, we see a lot of things out there where, you know, they talk about what they have for lunch and all that good nonsense, whereas we just get in, say what we have to say, and we get the hell off the air because, you know, you don't want to listen to us flap our gums over nothing for 45 minutes. Oh, I, I, that's, that's, see, that's, I need to take that mentality. Whenever we do WrestleCast, me and my co-host, Alan Camello, we go, all right, we're doing 90 minutes tops. And we have a two-hour allocated bandwidth time, and we're approaching three hours, and it's like yelling at us. And we're like, oh, my God, how are we still talking and still talking here? We missed three subjects. That we did. Now we've got to start a new episode. Right, people don't well, I mean, well, just watching Pat McAfee wrestle and do backflips and stuff ought to, ought to have you on forty, <laughs> you know, two hours alone. As long as I can watch Vince McMahon take one more stutter in his life. Oh, well, Smith, well, that was didn't, you didn't get to see him take one this weekend. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah, he like was trying to run away and shit. Austin Theory looked like he was made out of flubber when he took his. Vince McMahon just folded up without anybody touching him. So, Dude, he looked like he was throw. photoshopped on the wrong old man's body. Like, <laughs> did you look at him? It oh looked like God, somebody dude. put somebody else's face on somebody else's body, and they were both jacked up and couldn't do anything. Like, I get it. <laughs> you're, what, 81 grin. years old, but Jesus. He had, the, he had that grin, too, when he was walking around, like one of those, like, old guys who's playing, like, a sport, and they're really trying to do good. And like, ah, ah. Dude, you know, he looked like one of those old guys that's just jingling the change in his pocket. While looking at the nurse, I mean, 
when he took that stutter, there's a guy you can hear in the corner. Like, you have the surround sound. Like, the left corner, you hear, oh, my God, he tore his ACL again. Going back to the Royal Rumble, he ran and hit the apron and tore both of his ACLs and fell over and had to sit in the corner and go, wrestle, damn it, wrestle. But this, <laughs> this guy, he tore his ACL again. I was like, oh, no. Dude, he, you know what, though? What, what, what Vince did on, on Sunday night was a great thing because it made everyone else look good. Hell, yeah. Hell, yeah. And, and look, we got we – got, like, Except told you, Stone Luke, Cold. You should have watched – Except Stone Cold. <laughs> hey, he had his moment Sunday. He had his moment Saturday. Tremendous. I, I, I told Luke, I said, you, you got to go back and watch night two. This was one of the most well-booked WrestleManias in probably the last – Aside from maybe 30 in the last 15 years, they had a hot opener, which I didn't think the company understood what a hot opener was anymore. Like, it was, I mean, it was tremendous. Dude, this, Vince, this, Vince, Vince taking that stunner was 10 times worse than, than Johnny Knoxville trying to operate the mousetrap, and that was bad enough. <laughs> and then he had the thing to kick him with the nuts, and it wouldn't kick. I was like, oh no! I heard he blew like pyrotechnics of Sami Zayn's asshole. In <laughs> and hey, dude, was, what is Wee Man eating? You can't call him Wee Man anymore, even if he's short. Like, Lord, he, he came out looking like a mini King Kong Bundy. Dude, he, he looked was, like Yokozuna. He was throwing the stiffest. Like he was hitting him. Like I, I'm sure, I'm sure Sami Zayn's like, look, you got You got You got to hit me, man. You, you can't hold. Like, don't, don't be afraid to hurt me. Because we got to make it look real with the size difference. And he came off one of that ring, and he was hitting his ass. I thought I was watching Walter kill Zack Sabre Jr. again in Pro Wrestling Gorilla. I mean, it was the <laughs> stiffest shots I have heard. I could, oh, my God. He killed him. And they body slammed him. Like, Texas mm-hmm. body slammed him. Whoa. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that's why you guys had me on, to talk about, like, the three matches of WrestleMania that I saw. I mean, exactly. it was good, good I, talking to you guys. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> I have I a have, uh, last wrestling thing for me, because otherwise I'll keep going. I, I'm going over oh, no, this from, uh, from uh, Thursday until, obviously, WrestleMania. I watched 18 different wrestling shows, I realized, with all the independent stuff. Uh, I had two monitors going at one time. I don't know how we're going to be able to complete a, a, a three-hour radio show this week. I, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> like, I told my co-host, I said, look, we might have to do like like three separate nights. Do it. We're going to talk about Ring of Honor, just one whole show. It's Bro, I, I got so bored with, 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 you know, having a few days between mine. I hopped on two other shows the last two days that I had nothing to do with, just showed up and invited myself on the shows and just said, I am bored. I wanted to talk some football. Uh, I'm yeah. with you, man. And then I joined you guys. So we're good. <laughs> let's, man. let's do that then. Football. Uh, you know, Miami was one of the, the, the later teams we, we had, were thinking, okay, we, you know, there's obviously you want to get, you're doing draft coverage. You're going Eagles and, and Jets and Giants teams with all these multiple picks. You're getting those out the way because of the easier coverage. And then you save the good people who can talk the team like yourself for, for later on in the draft where, you know, you could you could make something out of nothing, and then time. You mean later on in the draft where we eventually pick, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we we could talk. We could get get twenty minutes on the second round pick is what I was confident. In. That's, I knew we could make oh, work. Yeah. <laughs> but then this happens. Tyree Kill is now a Miami Dolphin. Did is, did this just come out as, as left field for you 
as it did for the rest of us? Or was this stuff that you kind of saw brewing and just didn't, didn't really know if it had light no. enough to talk much on it? No, I was actually working that day, and um, I ran to my dad's for lunch, and Kat texted me, and he's like, dude, you're not going to believe this. Tyreek Hill's negotiating with the Dolphins and the Jets. And my answer was, wait, what? You're day drinking? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I sat on the porch, had coffee with my dad, and 10 minutes later, while I'm in the middle of telling him that they're, they're talking, Kat messaged me, he goes, it's a done deal. I'm like, what? Who the hell did we give up? Right? And my kid, like, well, my stepson happened to stay home from school that day, and my foster son was at school. So that's important shortly. So I found out what they gave up to get him, and I'm like, you know, you can spin it as five draft picks, but let's face it. It's a first, a second, and a fourth this year, and a fourth and a sixth next year. Like, that's the equivalent on the draft chart is pick 13. They traded pick 13 for Tyreek Hill, which I would do every day of the week. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not a roster with a lot of holes. But so before I dive into all that, I came home, my stepson's laying on the couch sick. I looked at him. I said, you know, Tyreek Hill, right? He's 10 years old. And he goes, yeah, I love that guy. He's on the chiefs, but yeah, I love that guy. Why? I'm like, he's not on the chiefs. And he looks at me and goes, shut up. And then he froze. And then he looks at me and goes, what, what did we give up to, give, get, to get him? I said, well, a handful of draft picks and some money. He, he looks at me and goes, are you serious? I said, yeah. He goes, that, that isn't even right. No, it isn't. But I'll take it. So fast forward three hours later. My foster son gets off the bus. He comes in, and, I'm, and same, almost word for word, same conversation. You know Tyreek Hill, right? Yeah, love him. He's on the Chiefs. He's amazing. Yeah, he's not on the Chiefs, though. What? We're, he's not in Miami. Uh, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> what did we give up? Who did we give up to get him? handful of draft picks and some money. You serious? That ain't right. Nope, but I'll take it. <laughs> And meanwhile, Jets fans went from he's the greatest of all time to, you know, oh, you can't even play anymore, blah, 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 blah. He's slowing yeah. down. Like, and, and, and the way I put it out there is, like, even when Tyreek does slow down, which he will, 80% of Tyreek's speed is faster than 95% of players out there. So I'm okay with that. Like, and, oh, you mean he's going to slow down a little as Waddle ascends? So – now Tyreek's going to be a number two receiver that can still do all the things. Yeah, I'm good with that. <laughs> right, like, what do, a do you have now. do you have a a, a a CB two that can cover him? No. Okay, we're good. Like, at the point he slows down, he's going to be covered by cornerback two, and he's going to be against solo coverage. We're good. Well, I I think that's one of those things that 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 people don't understand is when you have like a true generational style player who has changed the game, even the, the start of any kind of a decline is still better than the majority of what they're going against. Look, look at, I know it's obviously it's apples to oranges because it's a different, different sport, but look at everyone with, with in the NHL, you know, people that follow hockey going, man, I just, you know, everyone's talking about Ovechkin. I just, 36 or whatever now, 35, I just don't know if he's going to be able to keep the wheels on to catch Gretzky. You know, he, 
I don't know if he can score yep. 60 anymore. Okay, he's got like 52. So, uh, oh, darn, he doesn't have 60. When Barry Bonds got off the juice, yeah. only half his home runs landed in the harbor. Like, <laughs> you know. They, they still counted. <laughs> like, when you yeah. have talents that are that good, it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. And people don't see that. I think that's a great point that you pointed out because Jets fans, when they, when they were like, oh, my God, we might get him, and then found out it was his choice, you know, of course they're butt hurt because they're Jets fans. And, you know, that's fine. Oh. I don't I don't. I mean, the Jets, better hope they, the Jets fans better hope they take Sauce Gardner at number four because right now they don't have anybody that can cover 80% of Tyreek Hill. <laughs> I can cover 80% of Tyreek. <laughs> Look, I was going to say, I'm what, sure that's probably... <laughs> I'll tuck him into bed, all right? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you got to meet him in an alley with a bat and hope he doesn't see you. Like... <laughs> or if you had two ways out so he can just run the other way, too. <laughs> nah, yeah, I just run right. the alley the other direction. <laughs> you got to be in the alley in a ghillie suit. Like... <laughs> yeah, like, I'm Hide the this. trash can. Alex Ovechkin, 36 years old, but he says 42 goals in 67 games. Like, mm. he's slowing That's down, horrible. guys. Yeah, like, get the That's hell terrible. Out of he should just retire. <laughs> like, like come Mike, on, Michael man. Jordan throwing down 40, and they're like, oh, it's not the same MJ. Like, yeah. Uh, what? Can't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any worry about uh, Tua's development with bringing in all these uh, weapons as. Tyree Kill, Mostert, um, Chase Edmonds. Um, is there any worry there? Do you think that's why they brought in Teddy Bridgewater to back him up? Um, I, I don't. I think Teddy was an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett, and I think they're a team that's loaded up for, for a playoff run this year. And I think Teddy was brought in. So on the unlikely event that Tua gets hurt, which could happen, they have somebody that can step in, play a similar play style, who has similar accuracy, and be able to make all the throws and continue the run towards the playoffs. Um, I think given the fact that they're going to have a far upgraded offensive line in front of him and a, and a very much upgraded scheme. And by an upgraded scheme, I mean, they're actually going to have one on offense now, uh, which is going to be great. And they're going to have a dedication to the running game. And one of the reasons I pounded the table for McDaniel uh, as soon as he came up as an option was the fact that I like the innovation. I like the fact that he tailors his offense to his players' strengths and weaknesses. Uh, I like the fact that he adjusts and really puts defense on their heels, which can only – which I made this point about, like, even if they hadn't signed Connor Williams and Toronto Armstead, the offensive line was already upgraded by the fact that they were going to be rededicated to the running game and the fact that – the scheme that McDaniel tends to deploy has a tendency to put linebackers and ends off their spots and make them think, which slows them down, which you start slowing them down, putting people off their spots, creating overload numbers to, to where you want to go. And suddenly a, a mediocre offensive line looks pretty good in those scenarios. You, they're still NFL caliber players that you're now giving the advantage to them instead of the opponent. Um, you know, there, there was a lot that was broken with the old line last year, but a lot of that had to do with scheme. It had to do with play calling. It had to do with, you know, defenses basically knowing that 
if they pin their ears back, they were probably right. You know, and it's just one of those things, too, almost almost flipping the, the question Luke had, you know, bringing in Armstead and Williams on the O-line, bringing in Edmonds and Wilson and Mostert and Preston Williams and, you know, just a whole treasure of riches for, the, for, the, for that offense. If I'm a guy like Tua, shouldn't that make me more confident that they're putting things around me as opposed to, I know it's, it's, it's apples to oranges with, with the abilities here, but them never giving Aaron Rodgers a weapon, like going, ah, oh, you can just do it on your own. It's, hey, kid, we believe in you. Here's some weapons. Here's, here's pieces. Oh, you should absolutely be confident. I mean, he's been working out like a phenom with Lynn Bowden um, all offseason. And, you know, people forget, like, year one, he couldn't get the leg drive. It's, you know, the cat <laughs> – the guy was on crutches at the start of training camp. I mean, it's, you know, the fact that he was even able to play in year one was a blessing. Uh, year two, yeah, he he started to get it, but the scheme didn't set him up well, and he had to get the ball out quicker than anything. And, and you're going to see Miami continue to get the ball out quick because he does excel at that. But, you know, the narrative that he can't throw the ball downfield, he threw it with some pretty good accuracy when he threw downfield 95% of the time. I mean, it, it's, you know, and he's going to have receivers that get separation now, too. Like, mm-hmm. outside of Waddle, Devontae Parker was very good, but he's not uh, somebody that's known for creating space between him and the defender. He's known for maximizing his usage of that. Um, he, he, he wins jump balls. He wins contested catches. He doesn't get separation. You know, and, and that's where just the weapons Miami has and the fact that you're going to have to account and over-adjust to the run game. Like, I love, love, like, if you haven't seen it, you guys need to watch this because just as football fans, you're going to adore it. Uh, Brian Baldinger did a Baldy's breakdown about a year and a half ago on Mike McDaniel and the way he utilizes scheming and play calling in San Francisco. And it was amazing. Like, just the little things he does that, take players completely out of the play right off the rip are, are mind-blowing, and I love it. It's what I've been screaming for at the head coach position and at, or at the offensive coordinator position for a decade. I think I found it September 2nd, 2020. That sounds about right. Yep, I got, I got yep. it. I just bookmarked it. You, you, you like, please message me after. Let me know what you think of it. Any, any listeners out there, you guys should watch this just as football fans to see the differences in what he does. One of the littlest things that I'm going to say here about that, um, and this is something where he got interviewed after the fact, like they change up the scheme based on the tendencies and keys that they give to defenses every week, like, which is awesome. Like, because those tendencies and schemes that these defensive players are studying when they see them the following week, that's not what they're doing. So they're making an educated guess based on everything they've seen on film of these guys for, for, for two, for a week or two. And it's utterly wrong. But then the fact that they'll do dive and counter plays, but the quarterback will turn and pitch the ball back to the running back for what ends up being a dive or a counter. And what happens when he pitches the ball back to the running back, the linebackers immediately start floating heavily and quickly to the side that he's supposedly sweeping to. Because we all know growing up, they toss the ball. That's a sweep. Like, 
They, they're not running inside, let alone to the opposite, to the backside a gap or B gap, you know, and in reality, what he's doing, he's tossing the ball. The guy's taking the one step and going on a counter, he's taking the one step and going straight up through the a gap. Meanwhile, the linebackers are kind of over cheated and taking, you know, three of the four out of the play. So now you've got, you know, four of your linemen on maybe two linemen and a linebacker which gives you a lane. Like, if you watch the way that he creates lanes for his running game and starts getting defenses on ice skates just with the scheme, it's so cool to watch. It is so cool to watch. I uh, I tweeted it out, too, just for everybody, too. So I love you yeah, guys. Check that out, man. <laughs> I love Ryan, too. I've got to find some kind of a, a, a sounder. Like, I got the LeBron can. I can play that. I don't know if the Lakers are scheduled to play tonight, but I'm sure LeBron's at home. He could listen to the show. Oh, yeah, he's 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 uh, definitely sitting out the rest of uh, the rest of this. Well, he's going to play two more games to try to ensure he gets the scoring title because he needs two more games to get the scoring title. Oh, I had, heard was, I had heard they were shutting him down as of this afternoon. Whatever. I hope that they do. I I, 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 look, I had I, I had I had a poster that I that I bought that somebody created for me like two years ago right or it was the year the year we got him the Lakers got him and it was him carrot with a bow and arrow walking through the desert dragging Steph Curry with an arrow in his chest and I was like we're getting we're getting chip after chip now we did get one and I will say we got one and arguably you, you could arguably say was was the one of the more difficult ones because you, there's no home court. Everybody is even playing field. And I, th- I think a lot of people, same thing with Tampa Bay Lightning. I think they deserve a lot of credit for that because it was even playing field, no fans, no home court. Nobody's, nobody's even in their own buildings. Nobody's in their own beds. So I, I prop them for that. But, man, and then they went and did this Westbrook trade, and now they ain't got no money. And now that poster is, uh, is sitting on the floor, turned around, uh, as I have a brand new Dragon Gate poster with uh, like SB Kento and Ata and and Kaito Ishida getting ready to go up on the wall, we're gonna have this Dragon Gate beautiful poster instead. <laughs> we're gonna just go back to that. Dude, <laughs> you know you know what you need for for the Steph Curry thing is is you need one of Marcus Smart diving into his knee. That's <laughs> Maybe somebody could create a uh, a Ric Flair shot block. Superimposed to Dude, Steph Curry. <laughs> I, you know, I would love that, but but I also the only cardboard cutout I would take a LeBron would be one of him. It would be the only cardboard cutout you've ever seen of somebody laying down because he'd be on the <laughs> side, laying on the court, holding his eye. <laughs> one of the best basketball scenes of all time. <laughs> what was it? Five and a half minutes because he got a oh. blue. God, you know, I like, and he even he, stopped and looked. Like, are the cameras still on me? Oop, they are. Uh, it was like when your kids the, crying, they're not actually hurt. To, to like, cheer for when he's on your side, and then when he's not on your side, he's the easiest guy in the booth. I've noticed this over the years. Like, the that, Lakers oh, yeah. fans don't cheer for him. Yeah, the Lakers fans true. don't cheer for him anymore. They You're try right. to get He, I he literally has a LeBron James arena he built for his kid. And they trash talk him at the arena to the point he almost got thrown out of the ab- arena he built and is named after him. 
right. Like, like I said, I at, have, at some I point, you, you got to realize at some point that you're the no. problem in that scenario. Like, yeah. like your home fans boo you. No one wants to play with you. You built an arena for your kids and his friends, and they boo you too. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll never forget when he got that cramp, and Juwan Howard oh. had to carry him out and off the court. <laughs> oh, did I not see that? Oh yeah, you can. Oh. There's memes of it all over. There's like a meme of um, of uh, it's like it's it's just like Patrice Bergeron, and then it's like punctured lung, half torn patella. Uh, dislocated shoulder, fractured jaw. Got up in 33 seconds. <laughs> yeah, starting game three of the Stanley Cup Finals. And then it's like LeBron James leaving game four of the finals due to a cramp, and he's, like, crying. And Bergeron's got, like, half of his face, like, looks like Jim Ross, but he's still out there with a rock and stick. <laughs> or that guy on the, there's another one mean with that guy on the Dallas Stars who literally died on the bench. And when they they resuscitated him, he he asked if he could go back in, and they're like, "You're not, you're in an ambulance." And he's like, "Oh, I just wanted to play again." <laughs> like, God, you, you died for ten seconds, bro. Dude, I would kill to see Prime Dennis Rodman guard LeBron James. Oh, he because it would be hilarious. He hated like LeBron he would get teed up in a heartbeat. He'd probably cry. Oh, he definitely cries. He's gonna. He cries every game anyway, in some way, shape, or form. But like, <laughs> I mean, my, fav- my favorite new ones are the ones where like he doesn't get back on defense, <laughs> and, oh. and he just sits down there. Yeah, cherry picking bastard. Like, yeah, the uh, the Lakers will uh, will will be headed to position potential elimination game fight against Phoenix with LeBron not playing again because of a sore ankle. Yeah, but he's going to play the next two games and then sit the final game, is what I understand. Well, uh, like, and, and it's because he needs two games for the scoring title. Suddenly he can play through that. Like, <laughs> dude, get out of here. Like, I, I can't. Like, I mean, the, the the shadiest thing Jordan ever did was, well, at least on the on a basketball quarter with a basketball <laughs> team, was, <laughs> sorry, I had to qualify that, because as soon as it left my mouth, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> But the shadiest thing he ever did was basically go, Jesus Christ, Rodman can guard me. Let's get him on our team, and we're good. Like, yeah. Beyond that, like, he, he – oh, yes. Luke, what, give me, I'm going to tee up for another Dolphin one. As I knew we were going to go crazy. Uh, as we, we're going to have a, our arch rival coming up in about five minutes. As we've got, oh. Yeah, what you got? That's how the Dolphins stock up. Uh, Wait, which which teams he cover? Because if it's the Jets, he can wait. Uh, Green Bay. Green Bay. <laughs> oh shoot! Well, he can wait. It's just like wait. It's just like waiting for a receiver in Green Bay. Come on now. <laughs> It'll like, never we come. Need, we need two at twenty-eight and twenty-two. Damn it! <laughs> Dude, real quick, real quick, real quick. Our live draft coverage last year. I still can't. Like this. This is the most I've ever broken character like broken self on camera just broken the ability to speak on camera so i'm on camera we're we're, we're on youtube we're live we're, we're covering the draft aaron Rodgers supposedly like finally they convinced him to stay in green bay they were going to take care of him and everybody's staring at that green bay pick what was the number 28 i think number 28 they're staring at it like 
Yeah, they're going to get Aaron Rodgers, that wide receiver, so he doesn't just have Devontae Adams anymore. He's got somebody else to throw to. We've, they've already got a stable of four running backs at this point that can start. Like we're gonna we're gonna see him give Aaron Rodgers what he wants. Maybe, you know, that's this is gonna be great. There's these receivers on the board. They're gonna tear it apart for Aaron Rodgers, and he's gonna be the happiest man ever in his stupid golf cart that Bakhtiari bought him. Let's go. And so they walk up to the podium. They announce the pick, and it was a friggin' corner. I literally had my head on the table laughing for five minutes. Cat had to carry the show because I couldn't get a word out. I sat up four times trying to talk, and I couldn't stop laughing because it was the funniest damn thing ever because all I could picture was Roger's stupid face. It looked like the same face he had when he was holding up his toe on camera. Like, just sitting there going, like, we took a what? Like, <laughs> And they kept, they kept talking about that, like, Elijah Moore sitting right there. You know, we can't believe he still left. This is a match made in heaven. They sure lucked into this, and, boy, is their quarterback going to be happy. And then they were like, oh, I thought you wanted a guy to guard a wide receiver. <laughs> My man. Yeah. God. You get to throw at him every day in practice. <laughs> Eric Stokes was confused he got drafted. <laughs> yes. And it, don't get me wrong. It was a good pick. But, Jesus, you just convinced Rodgers to stay. And, and now you're like, yeah, we're going to give you the finger now. You're here. <laughs> no, but don't worry. Now they don't have Devontae Adams either. Or what's his face? Mark Bantley. Oh. Yeah, the the one where you throw the whole Scrabble bag at the back of the jersey and see what sticks <laughs> and call it a day. Dude, they just need to trade him to the Raiders and they will have the most letters ever in a receiving core. <laughs> Look, give me something. The Bucks are never going to shut up otherwise. Uh, the, the Dolphins hold five picks in this draft. The first one being in the third round. What do you What do you want the Dolphins to do in this draft? I want them to draft the best available player. No, I'm just... well, there will be no one at round three. No, I mean it's right. <laughs> Right now, I'm eyeballing the linebacker <laughs> position. Somebody like, uh, you know, Leah Chanel may slide, but Troy Anderson's one that really intrigues me, especially with a creative mind at, at head coach. Because Troy Anderson, you guys know this, I'm sure, but he was all FBS as a quarterback, and then he was all FBS as a running back. And he went, ooh, defense looks fun. And they moved <laughs> him over to inside linebacker. And he was like all FBS, and he was uh, Mountain West or – whatever uh, conference player of the year on defense and like runs a four, four and he's only getting better. Like he's still raw at linebacker. Oh, and I think he kicked a few games too, like, and punted once. Like it's just the guy's ridiculous. And he, he he's going to stud out at any position and, Oh yeah. He might be a wildcat quarterback occasionally too. If you want to throw that wrinkle, only one that can throw runs four, four and can also run the ball. And he's six, four, two thirty something. That's a that's a oh, yeah, we need to get a punter at some point. You, you know, like, and, so, and I so love Matt Ariza. Because yeah, you you said what Montana State was what he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Montana. Like, yeah, like if you go I'm to watch the highlights, you get very confused at first because like they show him lining up at quarterback, and you thought you looked up a linebacker. You're like, wait, <laughs> what? 
I'm, and there's I'm like 15 at, uh, minutes of him playing offense. There's the, the, the mock I'm looking at over on Walter Football. They have him going 80 to Houston. And it, sa- it says his name, comma, and then there's just nothing there, comma, and then it says Montana State. So they, they don't even have a, a, a position listed. All it says is the Texans have lost a couple linebackers, so we need to address the position. But they didn't even put a damn position to the guy. <laughs> well, great. The, the Texans need about 27 different positions right now across the three. So it's, it's the he just, like, he's going to come out to see he's going to play Iron Man. <laughs> like, I, we'll put him I, where we need him. I've seen uh, uh, Mario Goodrich from Clemson going to you guys third round. Okay. Uh, but I think I that was it, also but... before Howard did the contract. Yeah, everybody seems to want us to go, like, balls deep on corners. And, you know, they just redid Byron's contract, so he's locked there for three years. And they redid Howard's contract. He's locked in for, like, four. I mean, it's so – and Nick Needham just signed his restricted free agent tender, so he's back. And you still got guys like Noah Igbenogany in the fold, too, to to develop. So, yeah, no. I just I don't see them going corner in round three unless somebody ridiculously slides. Like if if Sauce Gardner gets caught with caught with a gas mask and a hooker, you know, and he's hey. still on the board in the third round, we might go there. Hey, bro, I'm taking him with the gas mask and the hooker let, at twelve. Let, let's let's not forget this guy right here in the draft, Mister Mister Tunsil. Anything can happen. So Kevin Garnett said it best. Hey, Tunsil. You know, like. <laughs> Paul, we're going to end it out. I apologize. But you know there's probably a part two. Otherwise, immediately after the draft, we go into team previews. We're just going to book the first segment. Yes, let's do it. Because I, you know, I had... You know we need an hour next time. Like, exactly. Like, yeah. There's don't, like don't... three other things that I still wanted to talk about that, that – um, that we're going to get to. I'm going to make a side note of it because I still, I still, you know, the, here, here's the cliffhanger. We, we haven't, we haven't had a chance to, to even get into the coach change after uh, doing that coaching carousel show you were last on. So I, I think well, I'm gonna, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what, let's, 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 let's find some time for the three of us to sit down for another half hour before the draft. There you go. We, we can we talk got, about that too. Plenty of time. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. Paul, plug everything you got one more time for our new listeners that we got coming in and uh, we'll get that set up for sure. Absolutely. Make sure you guys follow me out on Twitter at fanatic underscore pick with a PH. Um, and then on, at, on the fin side with an F. Uh, follow my co-host Brian Catanzaro at Brian Cat NFL. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter. God, we're on Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeart, Spotify, all of those happy little places you can find podcasts. You can find us right in the middle of every article on finfanatic.com. And, you know, like I said, our YouTube channel is where you get it live. So make sure you subscribe and turn your notifications on there because you'll get notified some of the time when the YouTube algorithm works, um, you know, which is better than none of the time. So, yeah, man, we, uh, we're, we're getting ready. Our draft coverage, I will say, like, I'm going to pat my own back for a second because our draft coverage is where we shine. And it's pretty cool when we've gone on some of the other Dolphin shows um, in recent weeks because basically they came out and they said, look, you know, we'll, we'll put our regular season shows up against you, and 
you know, try to go toe to toe at least. But as far as draft coverage goes, we defer to you guys. And I thought that was an awesome oh, yeah. that we've been getting across the board this offseason. So that's all I even care. if you're not a Dolphin fan, follow us for the draft coverage. Like we're doing the damn thing, even though Miami doesn't pick until round three. And at the end <laughs> of round three, we're doing the damn thing. We did a full round one mock draft about a week and a half ago. It's blown all the hell now with some of these trades. Thanks, New Orleans and Philly, for getting bored. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, we're ranking the prospects. We're, we're, we're diving into those first-round guys. Because, you know, at the end of the day, Chris Greer has been one of the biggest wheeler and dealers on draft day. So he could show up at any point in time in any round. So, oh, yeah. you know, and if Miami moves up in a round two, give me Chad Muma and let's go. Like, <laughs> and the draft if, is a if you give me Chad Muma and – oh, sorry, you guys got people waiting. I'll shut up in a sec. But if you give me Chad Muma and Matt Ariza, I am good. Like, if that's our draft with this offseason, mission accomplished, let's go. Now hit me up, guys. We'll, we'll find a time between now and the draft. I will let you get to that Green Bay guy who's probably waiting to get on here like he's waiting for a wide receiver. Oh! I, well, we got to ask for That's true. False. Damn it. <laughs> I oh, wait, wait. Keep, keep me on so I can hear that real quick, and then I'll just hang up because I want to hear his answer on that one. All right. <laughs> Well, Vancey, ladies and gentlemen, friend of the show, always on. My God. Hey, Rappin' Ryan, I heard, I heard, I heard the trash talk from the Dolphin fan there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I guess, uh, yeah. I need a receiver like he needs a quarterback. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it, man. It's look. This is this is the best time of year. Like, we love when we do our team preview shows, but this year we said we're diving in, we're dedicated, we're going to give out better draft coverage than, than any show, especially not only on blog time. We're going to try to compete, man. You know, every week we have new mock drafts, and we bring all of you great people on here to, to just talk about your football squad. And and I didn't mention this to, to, to Paul. He's still listening, but I'll mention it now, especially we got you, Ralph. You know, the, the, the Tuesday before the draft, we're going to try to bring everybody on and have a live caller from each team do a live on-air mock draft and see if we can make it work. So, I mean, we're trying to go hard. And, you know, I'll, I'll have more information on that later with you, Ralph. But like I said, we, we're excited to have you come on because, damn it, if we're going to talk to our rivals, we want to talk to a, to a man we respect. <laughs> That's why we will come to you and defer always. Uh, Ralph, real quick before we dive into that exact, that, that exact tee-off that I just got from Mr. Pinkin. Please plug everything you got for all of our, our new listeners. We just had, we were telling Paul, we just had a big giant spike over the last couple of weeks. I want to make sure all of our new listeners know where to find you, read you, hear you, the whole nine yards, my guy. All right, yeah, uh, very easy. Uh, at Reverend Ralph is my Twitter handle. I have plenty of Packers observations. And so, uh, yeah, I'll be tweeting a lot. I'll be observing a lot. I'll be uh, adding a lot of insight. In the next uh, month or two, uh, both before, during, and after the draft. So, yeah, it's Christmas time, and uh, I can't wait. You know, you guys right now are sitting pretty. Two picks. You know, last time you came on, we were talking the whole Rogers saga. He comes back, and you guys are sitting there in a class where there could be five or six top-end wide receivers in the draft. Is this the year that you guys pull the trigger with one of those two? Or are we going to see another Eric Stokes and Trent McDuffie and uh, something else coming in instead at 28? 
Well, yeah, knowing the Packers, don't be surprised for you know to see them grab a cornerback in in uh, the first round along with a linebacker, as they love their defensive guys early. Uh, you know, I mean, look, I, I think it really depends on who falls to them. I mean, do they desperately need help at wide receiver? And in particular, speed. They need speed at the receiver position. And so, uh, look, if, if one of those two Ohio State guys falls to them, then, yeah, you know, and, and I mean, look, it, in a perfect world, I want to keep those first four picks. They got four picks in the top 59 in the first two rounds. Um, hopefully uh, I would want to use each and every one of those picks because I think this is a good, strong draft class. I think it's pretty deep. And so I think that you could, you know, I think you could, it's a very good chance you can grab like four players who come out and contribute in their first year with those first four picks and be impact players. Uh, but again, you know, if a Chris Olave is sitting there and you have to trade up because you think there's a team who's going to snatch him away from you, then, uh, yeah, by all means, you know. I mean, there, there's a guy, um, dream scenario right there, Crystal Lavi in the first round. You know, he adds that speed element. Uh, he, he's a guy who uh, who could do it all. And, and so uh, a guy that could be your number one receiver right off the bat. So, uh, but, yeah, I mean, but, you know, what it boils down to is this. Even if they don't grab a wide receiver in the first round, people always talk about, well, you got to help Rodgers. Rodgers doesn't have anybody to throw to. Well, you could still help Rodgers by getting a pass rusher, by getting a linebacker, or getting a run stuffer. You know, I mean, there are multiple ways. Or even, you know, I mean, a tight end. I mean, I probably wouldn't take a tight end in the first round. But, I mean, there are multiple ways you can help out, you know, AR-12. And so, uh, and, and the other thing is, is that if you wait till the second round, I think this receiver class is deep enough to where you could select a multiple, there are multiple receivers out there, I think, in the second or third rounds who could come in and be instant contributors. There's been quite a few mock drafts that have the Packers taking dual wide receivers in that first round with both picks. Do you think there's a possibility of that happening? I think it's a possibility, but I wouldn't say it's a probability uh, just because the Packers do have other needs as well. So, uh, as I mentioned, you know, it's uh, a pass-catching tight end. They need um, O-line depth as well. They need a third-edge rusher. They need depth at linebacker, at safety. They could also use a third cornerback. So, I mean, and the other thing is, is that because that draft, this upcoming draft is so strong at the receiver position, the more I look at it and the more I, I examine some of the top players are going to be going off the board at receiver. Because of that depth, I think that it's not imperative for the Packers to, to use both first-round picks on wide receivers. You know, and I agree, too. There's, you know, obviously there's the big big five or six everyone's looking at in the first round that could go. But, I mean, you got Justin Ross, Sky Moore, Wandale Robinson, uh, George Pickens out of George is another one that comes off the top of my head that you could grab in that second, second round. Kenneth, Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State. It's oh, yeah, and, the, and the, list, the list goes on. I mean, you know, David mm-hmm. Ball is another nice receiver. Romeo Dubs. Alec Pierce is a guy I really like. Fearless, 6'3", 213, a guy who sells out, tough. You know, kind of reminds me a little bit of Jordy Nelson. So if you can grab a guy like that in the second round, I would be elated. What would you feel, you know, as you mentioned tight end, 
at 28, Green Bay, you know, hits a home run at 22. They get whatever they need there. Would you would you think they overspent, or would you like an idea of, say, uh, you know, like a Trey McBride out of Colorado State to come in as a tight end at 28? Uh, you know, that might be a little early for McBride, but the more I think of it, I mean, I, I just like the idea of putting McBride on my roster I mean, you're talking about a guy who's 6'4", 260 pounds, and you watch the guy play easy hands, great footwork, doesn't shy away from contact, and he's a guy who can line up in line. Good pass protector, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, I I wouldn't complain. If they took I've, him I've out heard 28... That, that since he's looking at him at 31, so that's just kind of what sparks my mind is, okay, if the, if somebody's talking and, you know, our little show has heard it, then, then I'm sure the people above us have heard it easily that there's a, there's a team that could sneak, you know, and, and use their pick to take them. And it's like, you know, if you, if you hit what you needed at 22 and you're already talking tight end, you know, it kind of seems like a little, a little sneaky match made in heaven. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, you know. I, I mean, what, what people – I think the reason why a lot of Packers fans are on edge right now, you know, looking at the draft and thinking that they have to take three guys, four guys at the receiver position and take a tight end or two if possible, I think the reason why Packers fans are so anxious right now is because they really haven't done anything in free agency as far as fortifying that receiver position. And so between now and the draft – I mean, you still got some viable players out there that they could pick up, some veterans that could come in and help. You know, I mean, um, you know, Jarvis Landry, you know, is that a guy who really excites me? But And, and it's kind of similar, a younger version of Randall Cobb. But, you know, he, there's a guy who could step in and be a productive guy and, and has proven himself over the years. And, you know, uh, another guy that they can get for free is Julio Jones. And I know a lot of Packers fans, you know, you, you say that name, you know, it makes him want to puke. But, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, he, he could come in if he gives you 12 to 14 games, you keep him healthy for the playoffs. I think that, you know, when healthy, I think he could still be a number one receiver. And so mm-hmm. I think if they, as I said, if they go, what's know, that? I mean, you, I, yeah, that's got you off of it. But you, you got, it's not like you don't have a quarterback who can take these kind of guys and rejuvenate them. Well, you know, I mean, the the thing about Rodgers is, is that, you know, everybody talks about like, well, we're gonna what we're gonna do without Devontae? How are we gonna survive? How are we gonna cope? How are we gonna win without Devontae? You know, over his last seven games that he's missed, the Green Bay Packers have gone seven and zero without Devontae Adams in the lineup, and mm-hmm. so you know that tells you something about Aaron Rodgers, how he could find different ways of winning a ball game. You know. Um, if you go back and you look at that game that they played Thursday night against Arizona, they were down their top three receivers. Uh, I think it was Devontae and Lazard who were out with COVID. MVS was out with an injury. And they found a way to win. I mean, they won that game convincingly. And he did it by throwing the ball to guys like Robert Tanyan, who went down with the torn ACL later in that game. But, you know, he also hit Aaron Jones a lot. I think Aaron Jones had seven receptions in that game. And, of course, you know, they got a great one-two punch in the backfield with Dylan and Aaron, uh, Aaron Jones, that is. And so I think that, yeah, I mean, you're not going to replace Devontae Adams, you know. But 
I think if you get the right players and you get enough players to surround number 12, I think that I think he'll find ways to win. I, I think, um, you know, I, I think I think the coaching staff, you know, does a good does a good job of getting receivers open. And so, you know, I'm not as panicky or nervous as some other uh, Packer fans are right now. Sorry, I was yawning. <laughs> My brain needed oxygen. Um, you just did like a 14-hour drive to Iowa back. I know. Um, <laughs> you mentioned the edge rusher earlier and the need that the Packers have. What, who's an edge rusher you like at the end of that first round to come in and make an instant impact on that defense? Yeah, I've I've been focusing more at the receiver position, but one of the guys that I like is Jermaine Johnson out of FSU. You know, uh, I don't know exactly where he's going to go, but I know I would venture to guess, you know, within the first two rounds. So he's he's a guy that I like. Um, but the thing the thing with the Packers is is that again, I mean, it depends on who falls to them because I don't think they have to go out and get one in the first round because they could also sign a guy like Whitney Merciless who's still a free agent, still been mm-hmm. unclaimed. And so, you know, he's a guy last year, he only played four games, but in 80 snaps, was it 80 snaps? He had 10 pressures. And so, you know, he's a guy who could still play, you know? So, uh, I mean, again, yeah, if, if, if that player is there and value falls to them at, at the end of the first round, for instance, then you take that pass rusher. But I think, you know, there, there are other options out there too in free agency. What would you feel about at 28 if they took a guy like David Oyabo, who obviously has the injury concern now and has drastically fell, but you could stash him? Is that something that you'd be willing to put the risk on there, or is that a let's let somebody else kind of take that grenade and jump on it? Yeah, you know, I mean, considering the fact that, you know, we are supposed to be a win-now team, Rodgers is 38 years old, I, I, you know, I'd rather not take a guy in the first round, second round, wherever he's going to fall and stash him. Uh, I want, I want to win now. I want to start off the, the season with guys I know I can count on. And, and that's the other thing, you know, a lot of people are talking about even in free agency, how we should go after Odell Beckham jr. And I'm sorry, I don't want a guy who's on the mend, you know, off a of torn ACL. So, you know, in, in that same vein, you know, I don't think, you know, Ojabo is a guy that uh, that I'd want. Uh-oh. <laughs> My bad. Uh, I'll, I'll jump in, Luke. I took his question. Um, another player that, that is, really drew my eyes, and this is a guy that I've had going as high as two in my first two mock drafts. Uh, Vinny Lyer from the Sporting News put out his latest mock yesterday. And he had Drake London falling to Green Bay at 22. Uh, Is that something that you're kind of just like, if he's there, you have to pull the trigger? Or is it, eh, we, we, we have opportunities to take other guys? Because, like I said, I had this guy going to Detroit at number two for my first two mocks before I changed it recently. I think this guy is, you know, 6'5". He's fast. He's got hands. You know, he's going to be able to moss people out there. I think he is going to be the cornerstone of this draft class and play for a while. And I might be high on him, but I saw him drop to 22 in this mock today, and I went, damn, I'm glad we're talking to Ralph today. Yeah, well, Drake London, when I when I watch this guy play, and I, I'm sure I'm not the only one who said this, he reminds me a lot of Mike Williams from the Chargers. 6'5", <clears throat> 
you know, a former basketball player, and he uh, he looks like a basketball player in the way he moves and the way he boxes guys out. Uh, I mean, I, I would I would take him in a heartbeat. Um, if if I have to trade up for him, he's if he's available, let's say I don't know in the ten to twelve area, and have to I have to trade up to get him, and he's still there. Then yeah, um, I think you know he's the type of player who can um, who can be dominant, you know, because of his size, because of his ability to adjust to uh, his body control, his ability to adjust the balls. Uh, I mean. Yeah, I think that guy steps on to your team, and he's your number one receiver from day one. So those types of players, like I said, as I said before, even Chris Olave, guys like that could step onto your team and be the number one receiver from day one. Guys like that, I will trade up for if you know if they're available, uh, and and I have to trade up for them. You know, in in uh, in Drake London's case, if he's there at fifteen, ten, twelve, yes, yeah, sign me up. Is there any other players that, that catch your eye where you'd be willing to move up in the, you know, into those kind of spots, you know, 10, 12 picks ahead of 22 to get anybody else that really are like, I got to have them. Uh, man, you know, uh, I, I mentioned Olave Garrett Wilson is, is a guy that I would consider doing that mm-hmm. for. Um, mm. It's weird too, because like, you know, it seems like more teams, are willing to trade down this year than up. And I don't know if it's just, there's just so many riches in this draft with how balanced it is, or teams know a lot more than we do and teams are scared off by this draft. It's, I just, I can't gauge the temperature. Well, I think because it is, it is deep. I think that there are going to be a lot of teams who are going to be looking to trade down. And, and as I said, and if we can't trade up, that's fine because we got four picks in the top 59. If uh, if Gutekunst does his job, we're going to come away with four really good players. Where where I want to see them trade up is in the lower rounds, you know, in the fourth mm. round, in the fifth round, uh, and you know, trades maybe you know trade up some of those picks, trade up uh, a sixth and a fifth, and get a third or something like that. Uh, so. Um, but early on, yeah, you might be right. I mean, there are going to be some teams that might be reluctant to, to make major moves or trade down in that case. You know, before we wrap up here as we're getting to the end of the show, I, I do want to slightly put you on the spot and just get your thought. If you're in that office and you got 22 and 28, what do you want? Like, if, if you had your draft board and you're, you're making your, your mock out, who do you want at those spots and, and that, that would make you walk away going, I got my guys, let's go. Okay. Uh, let's see. The guys that I would want, what about Jordan Davis? Where do you think you, that guy's going to fall? He's probably going to go I, top 10, probably top 15. I've had, Jordan, I've had him go in Baltimore um, the whole time with the, the caveat that that dude's 40 speed is so good that he could go higher and it wouldn't shock me. I've seen him fall into the 20s. I've seen him at 17 to the Chargers. Um, but I personally have had him Baltimore locked in there. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, I, I, I'd i be happy with the Traylon Burks with one of those picks. That's a hell of a good player. Okay. Hell of a good player. Yeah. A.J. Brown type, physical, aggressive, big guy, 6'3", 232. Um. I wouldn't mind having Trey McBride, but if I had to go defense, you know, the guy that you had on that was talking about the Dolphins before, he brought up a player that's really jumped out to me too, <clears throat> Chad Muma, 
Now, if he's talking about him going in the second round, there's probably a lot of people, NFL executives, that are talking about Chad Muma. And I wouldn't be surprised if he moves up to the late first round because if you watch his tape, which I'm sure you did, I mean, this guy is a playmaking machine, fights through blocks, makes plays in space. And, you know, the Packers, they got a couple of linebackers. They're not really that deep at the linebacker, inside linebacker position. Uh, so, you know, I could see Muma being one of those picks also, maybe maybe the 28th pick. So I, I would take a Traylon Burks. I would take, a, I would take Muma. Or I would, I would be happy with a guy you mentioned before, McBride at tight end as well. Yeah, yeah, I like the. I think talking to you and kind of just mapping out the tight end discussion had me falling more in love with with McBride on my next mock potentially at like a twenty eight. A guy that I I thought too, and I, was, I figure I want to get your thoughts on before we close. Um, guy obviously near and dear to us because we are Minnesota boys. But our boy Mafe, the edge out of out of Minnesota, he was just a machine for the Gophers. And I I got a buddy who is season ticket holder of the Gophers. You know, Minnesota, everything, and he's like, man, I, I'm telling you, he's going to go to Green Bay just despite us. He's going to end up in Green Bay. Well, you know, Mafi is a guy, I believe he's about, what, 25 years old, 26 years old. He's a little bit older than your average prospect. He's a little on the raw side, but you love his relentless style of play. I I don't know where you guys see him going. I, I always thought of him as more of like a – a fourth round, maybe late third round guy, but are you are you guys anticipating him going earlier than that? I think I I don't think he makes it out of round two. I I think really okay. Be, I think somebody could. I mean, you know, you know, six three two fifty five. He he can he can play he can play that linebacker if you need him to, but his ability to get off the gun on the edge. He can close – like, that was the one thing I, I like, too, is, you know, watching him Big Ten football, the way he would close in that, that closing speed that he had on those quarterbacks or when he would chase on, on, like, a sweep with a running back, it was almost like he got faster as he got closer to the guy. And I, I know, like you said, he's got the – you know, he, he's he's not going to be the best in, like, a 4-3. You know, he he maybe doesn't have, have the weight to get everywhere – but he's just—I don't know. It's like you said. There's, there's, there's that that special thing about him that just makes him feel different. And you know, yeah. I would be shocked of a third round grade, but I don't know. It, it seems like he's—and and by no means am I comparing the two whatsoever. But kind of, kind of like how, uh, um, what, what am I trying to say? Kind of like how um, uh, uh, Trayvon Walker. There we go. Has has kind of grown and, and continue to climb in every every draft. That's how I've just seen Mafe kind of go. And maybe I have that hometown bias too, Ralph. I mean don't never well, well, yeah, you're a big back. you're a Big Ten guy. You're a Big Ten guy. So let me ask you about somebody that uh, has also jumped off the page to me. What about the uh, Leo Chanel from Wisconsin? Yeah. I mean to me you talk about a guy who's per uh, who's versatile a guy who just explodes off the snap, you can line him up, you can line him up outside, inside. Uh, I mean, to me, I mean, I, I would be happy with him. To, I, and he's going to, I mean, I, I heard he might be going late in the first round. I don't know what you're hearing about him, but, 
you know, what, what are your, what are your thoughts about him? Yeah. I, I've seen him um, higher end second round kind of stuff, which, which seems okay. very, two, you know, what, 260 plus. Um, I, I, okay. Let, let me, let me say it on, on, on this, this way too, where, you know, Devin Lloyd, the Kobe Dean seem to be the big linebackers at the end of the first round that a lot of people are chasing. Yep. Yep. But, yep. I like I like Dean. Yeah, always around the ball. I like him. A little undersized, but I like him. I don't know if I see that much of an upgrade either of those two. You know, I don't think it's if you were to say if if say those are your, your two your two linebackers that people covet. Compare them, and, and maybe this 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 is my my comparison. You can tell me if I'm crazy. If you compare them to Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley, Chanel is not Trent McDuffie. He is not that big of a drop from, you know, between the guys, I think. I think he's a lot higher to him, but he's just not getting that name recognition. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I as I said, you know, Chanel's a guy, his explosiveness and his size, and the fact that he's a hometown kid, which is just a bonus, I mean, mm-hmm. I think a lot of Packer fans would be over the moon if that guy was picked. Yeah, he's – you know, he comes from a pro- – it's one of those things, too, where I never have a problem taking a promise – like a, a, a surefire promising Big Ten defensive player because you know they've seen some things. You know they've played good offenses, and you know they've had to really battle. You know, and that's, that's where sometimes where when you get to those outside schools where it's like, yeah, you know, good players, good players. They, they had a good combine, yada, yada, yada. But who do they play? Who do they show up against? And that's where I really, really like him. It's, it, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at a, a, a buddy of mine's mock, and they have him at 70 to the Jaguars. Um, just behind, ironically, uh, Falele, the tackle for Minnesota, going at 69. You know, uh-huh. is, is beginning of the third round crazy? No. Um, but then again, you know, it's the same thing where I, I'm seeing Boyamafe in the 60s, and I think he might slide to the first. So I just I think some of those defensive players in the Big Ten can just fluctuate with, with their draft position on a dime because they've seen the talent, and it's just a matter of who needs what when the positions fall, but they're always on that draft board. You know, people always right. say, what about him? What about him? That's not going to be the same thing with some of these. That's why you always see – No, you bring, you, bring up, you bring up a good point about, like, what school they come from because – I know a lot of Packer fans. You're, you're on if you're on Twitter, a lot of Packer fans are uh, singing the praises of Christian Watson from North Dakota State. And you know, while this guy's tape is phenomenal, I mean, you know, who was he really played? What was his level mm-hmm. of competition? So you know, you can always debate, you know, whether or not, you know, how big, you know, where he came from, you know, should uh, how much that should matter, you know, in, in uh, determining uh, how high he should go in the draft. And, and that's, you know, I've seen him late first round too. And it's, it's just, it's, it's hard because like you said, the tape looks good. And I, you know, I don't, I don't want to crap on the guy, but you know, Carson Wentz is on his what third team now in four years. And he was the number two pick in the draft. Right. You know, right. It, it and and Trey, Trey Lance has yet to prove himself. And, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know, you know, how well he's going to do. So yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you're 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 right. It's 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 a gamble. I mean, taking that guy, that type of guy from that school in the first round, I don't know, maybe late second. Yeah, I, I would I would do that with a lot more confidence. Mm, agreed. It's it's you know when when a lot of these guys see him the second time around, you know it's kind of kind of like you know 
look look at a baseball game. You know, when they, you know the third time around they see a pitcher in a game who's going long, they tend to hit him better. You know, when they see a quarterback right. that they didn't see in any college games because they weren't televised. You know, that second time around the divisional games are a little bit different, and that's the only thing where where if you don't you don't have the tape, you might look good at first, but it's just how you're going to pan out, and that's what that's why it's a high risk high reward. It's fun. It's fun because of that. Yeah, great point. Great point. And you know, is uh, you know, uh, when we're talking about receivers, to me the big wild card for me is George Pickens. I know you mentioned him before. Uh, I take it that you know you think he's worthy of being a first round pick. I don't know. I'm torn on him. You know, just because of the off field stuff, even on field stuff. He's not the most mature guy. Takes a lot of really dumb penalties. So mm-hmm. I don't know about his maturity level. But uh, as far as his, as far as his play goes and as athletic ability, uh, there are not a lot of guys in this draft who are better than him. So yeah, he's he's a guy that I really have to think about. Yeah, he's he's in that that group like I was saying with Kenneth Walker and, and company where you know and, and I wouldn't be surprised if one of those guys comes in at the end and we get a seventh wide receiver. You know, it's kind of like the the Levitska Chanel draft a couple years ago where an, another one just kept sneaking in at the very end of the draft and. It's, it's a good core, and I think teams are going to be happy with it. And, you know, when, when you see a lot of these good receivers, sometimes people just jump, and I don't blame them. But, you know, it's, it's, we got a good draft coming up, Ralph. It's, it's going to be fun. You guys are going to be active. I think it's going to be fun as a Packer fan for you. You know, you get you get two big picks day one. You come in strong day two with two more. Um, you know, I'm excited for, the, for your team, and I, I to the extent of it, obviously, as a, as a Vikings backer, I – I do do wish for a good draft, but I don't want you to get too good because I, I do want this division, damn it. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. No, I hear that. I hear that. I mean, uh, I mean, look, you know, look, I, I, I don't want, I don't want the Vikings to stink either. You know, I mean, I, I'd like to see both teams fight it out. You know, maybe uh, come out one, two in the division and fight it out. You know, till the end. You know, that would be fun. You know, yeah, maybe meet up in the playoffs play again, like they did years and years ago. You know, so. I'll sign up for that. Yeah, it's, I, I agree. I, I like it when they're when when they're both competitive, just because you get to. I, and I remember that too. Everyone's all like, "Oh my God!" You know, we won the game. AP almost broke the record. We're gonna play play him in the playoffs. And I'm like, "You guys seem to forgot that we still have Christian Ponder, right?" But yeah, I'm excited, man. It's gonna be good, Ralph. Thank you so much for coming on and closing out with us, man. It's always fun to have you on, and I'm glad we get to close out with one of our favorites. Uh, plug everything one more time for all of our listeners, and like I said, I'm going to get back in touch with you later on about trying to get that draft set up with everybody. All right, sounds good. Yeah, so uh, thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it once again. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Reverend Ralph. All Packers observations, analysis, available to you, at Reverend Ralph is the Twitter handle. Appreciate it, sir. We'll talk soon, all right? All right. Good night. Take care. Ralph Bancini coming on rocking and rolling. Luke, that was, man, that was a fun show. We can't, I was, came in hard. I thought, thought you guys were going to fight. No, we were agreeing. I thought. No, I th- think there were some strong words. <laughs> no, it's just two, two minds getting, getting each other's opinion on some late round picks. You were just chilling anyway. I, I was reading I was so before we before we leave this real quick. 
have you read that Brock Lesnar was supposed to beat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania up until Saturday night when uh, uh, Vince McMahon changed his mind, and then after WrestleMania ended, he looked at, uh, I guess the rumor is he looked at Vince McMahon and told him he quit, and that's why he wasn't on Raw and does not plan to return. Whoa, I did not hear that. Yeah. I guess he was supposed to be he was supposed to win the unified title up until like Saturday night before the the pretty much a day before the match and Vince came out and said that we're going to have you lose now and he didn't agree with it and then I guess Sunday when they were running through everything Vince told them that they were going forward with Roman winning and after the match he went through he didn't even go to his dressing room he literally just got in like a in his car and went to the airport and went home and he looked at Vince McMahon and said, I quit. I see. Now that was something that I had heard happen like years ago. Oh, not for this one, because like this one, if you watch after he potentially busted his arm, like after the match is over, you can see him squeezing Roman's neck, which uh, spoiler alert, pulling back the curtains here. If you ever watch it, they, they, they'll go and squeeze the guy's hands or their wrists or their fingers or something. Like, hey, I'm checking on you. Are you okay? And so he seems to be in fine spirits. If you watch um, WrestleMania 35, I think it was, 34, whatever, whatever the one where he beat Roman in 2018, he walks there. They filmed this for, like, the, the show for the network, and he walks through the curtain, and he takes the universal title. Because I think he was supposed to lose, but they then they, they decided to change it and have him win, and I don't think he wanted to continue the dates. So as he walks through the curtain, he takes the universal title, and he just throws it at Vince McMahon sitting in the corner with the headset on. And just walks right past him, just get, just throws the belt at him. And, you, and Vince is like, God, piece of shit. <laughs> and like, that's all, and Haven's just kind of like awkward, like, uh... And I think Roman was even in, in Gorilla, too, and he was just kind of hiding in the corner so you didn't really see him, but he was all like, what the hell just happened here? Yeah, it says right here on a report, it says, are you wondering why Brock Lesnar was not on Raw April 4th, uh, 2022? Reports show that Brock Lesnar left the, the left A&T Stadium immediately after his match without returning to his dressing room, upset about the outcome of the match. Weird. <sighs> Well, I, um, Brock Lesnar is about to be all elite, bro. I, I, I don't, I don't believe it, but I don't know. I guess it depends who I hear it from. I, I have way, I have sources within, within wrestling terms that are way better. Well, look, I gave, I gave you assholes and not that people on Twitter because I'm not going to spoil it, but, um, I gave I gave everybody every one of you guys the match order of of the shows. Be- yeah, but you said you happened. did say the Cody wasn't going to come. I, I said you no. Know, what I said to you was if you notice the the, the Seth Rollins Cody match isn't on the sheet, which makes me feel like Cody didn't show or they never got the deal done. That's what I said. Yeah, you made me worry for nothing. <laughs> I was worried, man. I didn't want to. I didn't want Cody to to not be there. You were making me cry on the inside. <laughs> I was glad that he came out and cut that baller promo. You're a baller. 
on uh, on Monday. Yeah, he, he wrestled Kevin Owens on a After Dark match. I heard it was actually pretty good. Hell yeah! I was trying to see if I had any uh, any any good closing sounder for the show. Want to thank though, hey man, Chris Clark came on, knocked it out the park front with, with uh, Kansas City Chiefs talk. He he hit them points and was like, "Next, feed me, feed me." We're like, "Damn, he was on fire." Um, but do gotta give a shout out Paul Pickett Jr., uh, Ralph Mancini, uh, two of our favorites. Shout out to uh, come on. Shout out to Nikita Lyons on NXT 2.0. <laughs> if you're listening, baby, I live in Minnesota. Come see me. He's called his shot, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't have it. I do have this fantastic promo though. Uh, we'll close with this. Have you ever heard this, Luke? Check this out. Well, well this is how we're gonna close out the show, but. If you guys like passionate promos, this is this is this is this is why you should like Cody Rhodes. Is that this match is generation versus generation. I am not here to kill Dustin Rhodes. I'm here to kill the Attitude Era. My entire lot, my whole class of peers, has been compared to these gilded late nineties through the early two thousands for over a decade, and it's an utter sham. Sure, you paved the roads for us, but gosh, you set the speed markers at 35 because you are terrified of any of us putting our foot down on the pedal. You mean to tell me some pissant bodybuilder making every match a no DQ, meandering around the crowd, throwing the jib cam at his opponent, compares with a Kenny Okada match? Or some bra and panty spectacular can match up with what the women did last September 1st? Or even Dwayne, as electric as it was, rhyming and raising, was it really better than what Punk said sitting on that stage? Listen, I am the least Rhodes of the Rhodes. But they gave me a pair of boots. I've got the basics. When you do something to death, when you ride something to death, that's literally what happens. When that animal can't go anymore and it falls out on the trail and you can feel the tension in its eyes and its fluttered breasts of panic and it knows it's going to die and it wants to die. You don't just believe it because you love it. You pull from the hip. You roll your fingers on the steel of the chamber. You pull the hammer back. You do not anticipate the recoil. And you blow it away. Like I said, I love my brother. <laughs> 